0: All right, welcome to another episode of Inappropriate Earl. You guys know what I strive for in this podcast, to interview my stand-up comedy friends, to expose them to a new fan base. And then once I realized that got me about five listeners, I had to reach out to my favorite musicians, actors, comics, porn stars, wrestlers, wrestlers, Today is a special episode. He's one of the few guests I have, as the lead singer from Rat would say, come back for more. Not many two timer guests on this show. This man's one of them. You see him do the warm-up for Jimmy Kimmel Live every single day. Has the longest-running show in comedy store history, 25 years, The Ding Dong Show, Monday nights, 10 p.m. Has three podcasts of his own, all top-ranked on iTunes. Put your little wiener-like hands together for the one, the only, Dandy
1: Don Barris. Whoa, what an intro. Thanks, Earl. Thank you very much. I I would like to correct a couple things, though, okay? Is that all right? Hey, you're the guest, baby. Uh, You know, you say you don't have many people that uh, you haven't gained fans. Let me tell you this. When I look at Andrew Jacobs, you're always on his top ten podcast list. You're right up there. Uh, Where Did you... (laughs) But he only listens to, like, ten podcasts. <laughs> okay, well, it doesn't matter. I still had three in the top ten. I'm very proud of that. Uh, do you know him at all?
0: I mean, I think I've met him once or twice when he was uh, up at the comedy store to watch the Ding Dong show. Yeah. So, uh, I, I guess, yeah, and I think I was the first guy he interviewed on his uh, podcast
1: interview. So you were on his podcast interview.
0: Well, it was you- more an interview. It wasn't... Uh, I guess he was interviewing his favorite podcasters. And what was he doing with it? Just keeping them to himself? <laughs> you know, I think he released it. He might get less viewers than I do, but uh, he's, a, you know, he's the kind of fan I want,
1: you know. Oh, absolutely. He loves his podcast, and he sure says it enough. I wonder yeah. how many followers he has on his Twitter. I'm guessing under 100. <laughs>
0: But you know that's a whole scam—Twitter followers and whatnot. I mean,
1: not always. Well, I mean, you scam. I don't. My every. I don't have one fake follower, and neither do I. And I will say this: now watch what will happen as people just drop off the earth, leaving me. But you know, uh, my eight thousand followers, I believe in my heart are real. I didn't go out and solicit them. I don't play that game that you're supposed to follow everybody so they follow you you got
0: to do it ari Shafir style he has like oh, sure. ninety five thousand followers doesn't follow one person
1: i think you know he might follow rogan i do that with my uh my instagram i think the only person i follow is mary jane and, yes and then on my uh vine i don't follow anybody I, i'm not even on vine so well you probably don't like making the videos
0: well, six seconds. I mean, uh, one thing I do like about Vine is it's just six seconds, and unlike Periscope, where people can be unfunny for longer.
1: Right, exactly. But I think, and I've changed the name of mine to Periscope. And I just, I think for people like in the Midwest or people that don't get to see anything, to go to the comedy store is kind of cool to see what's going on there. They hear about it, but now they're seeing it. I think the Periscope also, you know. I'll do something at Jimmy Kimmel. You know, Uh, it's kind of cool to do that. Why do you have two mics with you, by the way? Well,
0: I do. This is for, I'm set up for six mics, but, uh, and I, this is a good time to plug my only sponsor of the show, uh, the singer, the the former singer of Rat, Stephen Piercy. He was nice enough to donate some of his new product, Mike Knuckles, you know, so. Oh, when you say donate. Well, I paid for one, but then he gave me two on the house.
1: Whoa. And now he's your sponsor. Now he's is my he, buddy. Is he?
0: He texts me every now and then. Only speaks to me in rat lingo.
1: Like what's rat lingo exactly?
0: Well, he speaks to me in like rat song titles. Like he invited me to the whiskey uh, where he had a show recently. He's like, "Hey, brother, come watch me lay it down tonight." <laughs> And the best was he invited me backstage. And there really isn't a backstage at the whiskey. There's just right. like one huge VIP room. And I walk back there and he looks at me and goes, hey, everyone. And there's a lot of people back there. This is my best friend in the whole world. And he just stares at me. I'm like, it's Earl, on. Steven. <laughs> Earl, you did my podcast. <laughs> That's so funny, man. But he's very nice to me, so...
1: But I will say this. It's like, before the show we were talking, I really think it's very true. See, you have not... What would you say the years, the prime years, the years that you won't leave behind? 1980 what, through 92? Where would you say that goes?
0: I would say that my favorite entertainers outside of Don Rickles is... uh, like eighty three to maybe ninety one
1: really, so you don't you don't even go for the two double Guns and Roses albums well that's right?
0: when I checked out on
1: Guns and Roses, really but well, you didn't stay long then
0: well, they were uh see, I liked you know their obviously appetite and their e p lies, but as soon as Adler left, you know, there was a bit, bit of a heart of the band left. Really? His zaniness, and who I used to live in a building with him. Oh, really? Uh, 2170, Century Park East in Century City.
1: Oh, there's a band that had it all. Yeah. I was putting them, I always thought of like, for those grungy kind of dirty bands, you had the Rolling Stones followed up by Aerosmith. I thought they were going to be the next in line to take that crown of like kind of hard rock and superstar bands that that did it the right way, the
0: dirty way. Well, I remember I used to uh play hockey on Sunday nights in Culver City. The real dirty group of guys. You had uh, Black Bruce, who was O.J. Simpson's mailman, and uh Black Rocky, who was the uh guitar player from Suicidal Tendencies. Really? Rocky George. And I remember he bought a cassette one night, and it was about 88. I said, like, you guys got to hear this new band. They're going to be the biggest thing in the world. And it was like a promo of appetite for destruction really and he played welcome to the jungle over the uh hockey rink uh speakers i was like wow this this is not warren's cherry pie
1: no it's not and when you think about it that was an album that did something too i mean can you name another album maybe even your lifetime that every track you kind of liked
0: I mean, Well, I mean, me personally, I can. I, uh, and I think some people might well, agree. what others? The Cars debut album. I don't think there's a bad song on it. It didn't sell like Appetite for Destruction. Right, but.
1: wow. I would have never thought you would have put the Cars in there. I know you like Cars. I think we did a cover of some of the Cars music in the BKO. By the way, can I make the announcement now here? I Please do. Well, you know, uh, October 9th, we are having what I like to call the windy Supreme weekend it may change. But the reason it's that because the big three is going to the festival Supreme. So we're inviting a bunch of people out here for a four day weekend. You know, Friday we're going to, and this is where you'll be involved. We're doing a live podcast from Leeds, and we're, Bringing a lot of music, so the BKO will be performing there for our live at Leeds concert. So we're performing from the Mattress King store. I hope he gives me the three pillows. Oh,
0: you haven't gotten them yet? Well, I haven't paid for them, but he, you know, no, I haven't. How much did he say charge you? I think like thirty a pillow. Is that a good price? But yeah, most
1: high end pillows are about thirty bucks. Really big ones. Because I got one of those foam pillows. I ordered online because. I think I slept on my neck one time, and the pain was just so bad, I said, I got to get a good pillow. At least that's what Mary Jane said. And so uh, I got a $145 pillow.
0: Oh, wow. I didn't know. Uh, I didn't think it cost that much, to be honest with you. Yeah,
1: 145 Where forty-five. Where'd you get it from? Online. It's one of those foam pillows. Oh, uh, yeah. Tempur-Pedic? Uh, I don't think it's Tempur-Pedic because that's a... A human being, tempur is what you're thinking. And I think those are just beds.
0: Uh, Oh, I thought they made, you know, usually most high-end bed places uh, make their own. uh, They they get into the pillow and the shams and the, the, you know, bed uh, duvet covers. You know, it's a whole scheme.
1: Yeah, well, anyway, so that'll be fun. So on October 9th, you're going to be playing live at Leeds with us. I'm humbled and honored. To get the band back band has been missing for a while
0: well you know members went away and and come back and y- you know some disappear and don't come back you it's, know it's
1: quite a band story they should do a book on that they should do a 30 for 30 on the uh except that 30 for 30 is strictly sports yeah way, but speaking of sports the studio's changed since the last time I was here. It's like the Hockey Hall of Fame here. Well, I have a lot of hockey trophies for my league. And they all are current. You know, I'm, 2013, you know, uh, leading score, leading score. Are you that good of a score?
0: I have a very hard shot, incredibly hard shot. But I, I'm also probably the only guy in my league who plays with $200 sticks. So, you know, they really help what's the difference what does that do well they just harder and you know it's it's like if you're used a wiffle ball bat and then used an aluminum bat
1: how many trophies do you have i see there's eight there nine ten eleven uh four over here so you got
0: 13 15 uh 11 plus four. Oh yeah and then i have uh probably about maybe 20 more upstairs In the Jersey room, really? Well, I've been playing in this one particular uh, ball hockey league, SoCal Street Hockey, uh, for for, since '89. So I've you know been out there quite a quite a while. It's the only non-comedy thing I do these days. Really? Like I play on a team right now with two twin brothers and all their kids.
1: And all their kids? Yeah,
0: they have like you know probably ten kids between them. So it's co-ed team, you know, and we're not that good, but, you know, as long as I score a lot. That's all that matters. Well, we won a, I think we won the uh, title last year and two years ago. you think
1: you won the title?
0: We won a few titles, but, uh, you know, we, you know, we play against uh, a lot of teams who are, uh, you know, better than us. So we, we get killed a lot too, but we have a female goalie. She's pretty good. Who's that? That's some girl who lives out in the OC. It's co-ed league. You know, and then uh, so and then I come do comedy every night. So it's like the only group of people I'm around that aren't comics, and I love it. Really, it gets you away for sure. No one cares about the business or Montreal or. Do you care about Montreal? Uh, I think I'm going this year for the first time. Really, for roast battle. So, uh... really, the whole. Well, it's just a skeleton crew. Like who will go? Uh, Jeff Ross. It's actually called the Jeff Ross Roastmaster Invitational. Really? And, uh, and, and then I'm unsure uh, who's exactly going. The details aren't exactly free flowing. You're
1: smirking. I don't know what that means. No, I don't
0: know who's going to be honest with you. Uh, so I, I know Brian Moses is going. He's the he's the host, host and Coach T. The DJ is going. Jeff Ross is going. Is Jeff
1: Ross paying for people?
0: uh, Well, I think the festival's paying for us. Oh. So that's good. You know, and uh, there'll be a lot of celebrity judges. You know, I think Jason Reitman and Dave Chappelle and, uh, you know, pretty much Jeff will.
1: He'll fill that. Yeah, he'll get, you know. Oh, and it's great because it's a comedy festival, so there'll be a lot of guys in town. Yeah, everyone in the comedy world, for the most part, is there. I went to the one when they were in Austin. You didn't yeah. go to that.
0: Yeah, I didn't want to pay my own way, yeah. so I'm not paying to like Yeah, perform. it's almost
1: like uh, you reach a certain age and you say, you know what, I'm no longer going to live in an apartment with another man. Yeah. Uh, that comes up at one point. And maybe uh, doing gigs where you pay your own way is probably another one.
0: Yeah, I've reached that point, you know. Yeah. We uh, had to pay our own way to get to the New York Comedy Festival. And uh, it didn't work out for me so well. Why didn't
1: that work out for you?
0: It was a lot of money. At the end of the day, it was about three grand I had to spend. Really? I had to spend, uh, you know, I was given very little notice on plane tickets. So I had to buy my ticket and Whitney's ticket, who was doing the house haters thing with me uh, cause she couldn't have, you know, really afford to go at that time. Um, and then I had to pay for two nights in a New York hotel on a weekend, like, you know, so you can imagine what that yeah uh, cost was. And then, you know, it was a fun show. It's like Gramercy theater sold six, 700 people sold out standing room only. Really? We were the talk of the festival. Uh, cause you know, just, you know, everyone was there for that show. And then, uh, you know, Roast was okay. You know, it wasn't, I don't think people got what me and Whitney were doing. <laughs> we were sitting, you know, on the stage and uh, we had a big sign at our table. I'm, sh- I'm sure your audience knows, though. Well, I don't know if this, I don't talk a lot about Roast Battle on the podcast, you, you know, but at that time we were known as the house racist. What are you known as now? The House Haters, because after oh. New York, I was just, listen, it's too much of a hole to dig out of.
1: Really? And what happened in New York to you?
0: Well, in New York, we were seated, uh, seated seating uh, right in front of the stage, on the stage, and a huge sign at our table that said, whites only. <laughs> And did people
1: fuck with you from that moment on?
0: Well, I knew when I said the first joke, and it didn't really fly.
1: What was the first joke, just to get kind of a flavor?
0: Well, Jeff Ross set me up, you know, hey, House uh, Racist, good to see you guys here. How was your flight out? And I'm like, well, you know, it was going good until uh, Patrick Ewan tried to swat our plane down on the Empire State Building, <laughs> and just... Th- so th- you're saying in New York that didn't go over. I right? thought it would. You know, they're known as an edgier comedy town. And, you know, I, you know, I, I thought anyone who's in that theater is going to be into roasting, you know, the roasting type of humor, which is different than regular stand-up. And uh, three people in the room <sighs> laughed. And there's clearly one guy in the front who was in tears. I'm like, all right, well, I know who are the racists are in this crowd. <laughs> and then... Uh, I don't know. Whitney had a couple good lines that went over pretty well. And then, you know, I I got the room back a little bit. But uh, what did she say? She's funny. No, she's great. I forgot, you know, really that weekend was a blur. But, uh, you know, we had a couple of lines that got the room back. and uh, But, uh, you know, I think Amy Schumer was staring daggers at us. Like, she, you could tell she wasn't a fan of our humor. Really? And, uh, Gilbert Gottfried liked us. He's like, I want to sit with you guys. <laughs> Yeah, he probably stole the show. He was really... Uh, he does every time he goes somewhere. He was uh, telling this really long, dirty joke. It wasn't the aristocrat's joke, but it was just like... It was pretty graphic, and, you know, he's like, so I fucked her in the ass, I stuck my finger up her butthole, and, and he's about 14 minutes into this joke, and someone interrupted him. Like, someone tripped right in front of him, so he just started... Oh, the-
1: wasn't it some guy... From- I want to say it was Josh Martin... Uh, who was uh, doing the sound? Yeah, I think it might have been because I think I remember it was somebody from the comedy store. So,
0: yeah, it was definitely someone from the store. So he started the joke from the beginning.
1: <laughs> Did and, he make a big thing about him <laughs> tripping the middle of my joke and then started?
0: He said something. It uh, didn't make too big of a deal, and then he just started the joke literally word for word from the beginning again. So uh, and the crowd loved it, and uh, you know that the roasting was. Uh, you know, very there was four big roasts that night and uh it was a long show, so toward the end the, the crowd was just like, All right, we've had enough.
1: We're we're done.
0: But it was still no one left. I mean it was you know people kept coming in. So it was it was a fun experience from that perspective, but uh not one I wish I would have paid three thousand dollars for. Yeah. So uh Montreal's being handled a little differently, so should uh, be fun.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you something. I have uh, uh, Mole and Perry and myself were doing the uh, Festival Supreme, the Jack Black thing, and I have no idea what the hell we're going to do. When is that? Three months from tomorrow, actually. And where is it? It's here in Los Angeles somewhere. It's oh, like cool. a huge festival. I mean, Tenacious D plays there. It's uh, this year that band, The Antwerd, do you know who they are? The N-word? No, no, no. It's amazing how your mind works. No, the Ant-word. Oh, know. I'm not really familiar. South with that. African rappers, but they're two white people that look like they belong in a trailer park, but they're spectacular. A lot of people at the comedy store seem to like them. Okay. Yeah, so, but it's like, but I have no idea what we're going to do.
0: Well, you never know at those big festivals; they're kind of clusterfucks. Yeah,
1: I want to find out if we're on a small stage early. I know the festival starts at two, and I don't think that they're going to have us between the word and Tenacious D. So, I, I think that we're probably up pretty early.
0: I mean, we did the Riot Fest of LA. What's ro- that roast battle? And it's like a big. It's like our uh, Montreal, I guess, but in oh, really? LA, uh, and it was cr- complete craziness.
1: Do you think anybody knows outside the comedy store what goes on at the comedy store?
0: Um, I think they hear rumors and and but I don't think they really know uh you know, the, you got it's like a kiss concert. You got to see it live. I mean, you got to like walk through there at one thirty in the morning and you see various comics walking around, you know, taking girls by the hand, showing them the facilities and So nice. Some of those comics are so nice. <laughs> you know, tours. And, you know, I went into the uh, main room the other night, and uh, I see this girl in the dark. I'm like, what are you doing back here? D- this is closed. And I just hear another comic's voice, Earl. I'm like, oh, uh, excuse me.
1: Who is the comic? I cannot say. I cannot say. Do but- I know this person? Uh, yeah, but, you know, I, I you know. Would they, I- would they be a person that... I see quite often there late night.
0: Yes, but that, that's all I uh, can divulge. Well, can I
1: ask one other question? Sure. Is he a person that does that a lot?
0: Does uh, um, he have a
1: reputation for doing that? Uh, he's more discreet, so I would say no. Is he somewhat of a celebrity or at least making a fairly good living from show business?
0: Not necessarily. But let's just leave it at that because, you know, I'm uh, and bones. One more
1: question. One more question. You don't want to talk about it.
0: Well, no, I believe in uh, people. You know, I'm a man of my word. You know, I just I don't want to out anyone in there. What did he say? Don't tell anybody.
1: Well, no, but I. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Let me just throw this at you. Let's say he's listening to an inappropriate earl today and he's hearing this story. And he says, well, that's about me. Oh, my goodness, I sure hope they talk about me.
0: I don't think he would have that
1: enthusiasm. You don't think so? Maybe we should just drop it then.
0: Yeah, yeah, why don't we do that? But I just, you know, it's uh, the story. You know, like last night, you brought up a girl on stage, and one of the employees gave her a very nice massage on stage, and, you know, we were all in the back. Very
1: very cute girl, very cute body, uh, teeth look like... I think, what did you say about somebody with...
0: She She seemed to have uh, 32 teeth that went in 33 different directions. Definitely, uh, and that's <laughs> uh-huh. funny because I went to the dentist yesterday to get my teeth cleaned. Right, and, uh,
1: and did they say anything about that with you?
0: I mean, I got a couple cavities I need filled, but oh, sh- other than that, this girl's cavities would be a good news for her, I mean... <laughs> But
1: beyond that, she was a really cute
0: girl. Great uh, tits, nice body, um, but uh, she just shouldn't smile. No. no I mean, she had the jack-o'-lantern teeth, you know, just, you know, look like a pumpkin on
1: Halloween. But she did get a nice massage from a guy and a girl.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I think she was more into the guy. You think so?
1: I was right there orchestrating it, and I thought she was more into the girl. But that's the great
0: thing about the comedy stories. And I think I said it last night and I always say it when a scene like that is happening is you don't get that at the Laugh Factory.
1: No, you don't.
0: Like you don't see the closing comic or any comic bring up a girl, massage. I mean, we've seen some things uh, on that stage late night.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes, we have.
0: I mean, the double blowjob scene, uh, you know, with Ari Shafir and Madonia and and the porn star. Well, I won't say star, but actress. You know, you orchestrating a and a with her with completely naked. You know, you don't get that at, you know, uh, the comedy zone in
1: Jacksonville. See, I'm glad that you mentioned that because uh, I've heard that story told and I'm never even involved in it. It becomes another comic that, you know, was outside and said that he orchestrated the whole thing.
0: Well, I mean, I, I we were doing the band. If you've ever been to the comedy store, and I think a lot of my listeners have, uh, you know, we were doing our uh, the BKO,
1: and uh, you know, which is performing. I got I gotta push it at live at Leeds, October ninth. Be there for all you uh, so callers. It's our biggest concert ever. I think there's room for forty people here, and I think he doesn't realize that because I don't know if you've ever been in a betting store. They're not very big. They're not very big and they they do it with the trick mirrors, so it looks bigger, and every inch of the place is filled with beds, and people you know, and I don't think he's gonna want people on the beds that's
0: how uh, I was about to say. I don't think you really want comedy store fans or no fans or, of our band or
1: or uh, the fans Ding of Dong the show big, yeah those, those big
0: three podcasts people
1: uh, will be coming from all over. I don't you think know.
0: you really want them loitering on your new beds
1: they're uh a lot of these fans, I, from what I understand, they're they're renting mansions.
0: So By mansions, you mean like studio apartments in the Village?
1: No, I, like like uh, Nicole Perez. <laughs> no, no, you love Nicole Perez, don't you? Well,
0: like Leo said in Fifty Two Pickup,
1: she's got goodies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got to watch that movie again. That was one thing that we kind of had, uh, the movie 52 Pickup. Do you think people out there, your fan base, knows this at all?
0: I try and mention it every now and then, and if you, uh, when you leave here, I will show you the uh, autographed uh, VHS box cassette that John Glover, the bad guy, signed, oh. and it's one of my prized uh, autographed possessions. Do you mind if I take a picture near it? Oh, no, not at all. Well, uh, it, so you can look for that
1: on my... Twitter.
0: He's on my bucket list of guests
1: I want to interview. How do you go about trying to find some guests? Because all I have are people that are basically in the ding dong show or somebody from uh the comedy store on my Simply Don podcast. How do you get guests?
0: Well, like with someone like say John Glover, uh I looked for him on Facebook and Twitter. I don't think he has uh you know, he's a working actor for what? still? Oh, yeah. He's uh, won Tony Awards on Broadway. And, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that you might think what happened to him. But he's, you look up his IMDb page, you know, probably over 100 film credits. So, uh, you know, some people just aren't into, you know, Facebook and Twitter. And uh, since he's a little older, he's, he's probably, what do I want to be on Twitter for? So uh, he's tough to uh, find contact for. But then, uh, like the other day, I was telling you, I uh, looked up Adrian Zmed, who I thought he'd be an interesting guy. I mean, here's a guy, if you think about it. His first film, is Tom Hanks, Bachelor Party, or one of his first films. And then he did uh, Grease 2 with Michelle Pfeiffer. Was he the lead in that? He was the lead in Grease 2. So, you know, at one point, he was like, this guy's the next guy.
1: I mean, at least- You know, it's hard to believe, but there are people that actually look at Grease 2 2- is a good film.
0: I mean, uh, you know, obviously nothing was going to, you know, they're, you know, they're kind of like when uh, Adam Carolla was the guy who replaced Stern. It was just nothing was going to compare to the first one. Uh, so, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's as bad as people think it is. And there's some great songs on it. What are the great songs? Well, great given, uh, you know, the context of soundtrack songs. Uh, Bowl Tonight, you know. When Adrian Smed hits that high note. Can you sing a little? Let's see. We're going to... No, it's called Score Tonight. Hey Paulette, take a look over here. I'm your kingpin, honey, and we're getting near. Hey Johnny, Johnny, gonna score tonight, and I don't know, if he, you know. And yeah. then Adrian's med hits a high note that Brad Delp from Boston would be proud of. Really? Yeah, he does the splits. It's a great, good, you know, good video. Look up score tonight, Greece too, and you know, about two and a half minutes in, med hits a high note. Very few can.
1: You know, I'll tell you something. As fun as that sounds. I don't think I'll ever do that.
0: Well, you should, though. You will, You will though. I know you will. Hmm. And the, so, you know, I said, and, you know, he was the guy who took over for Denny Terrio on Dance Fever. Did he? You know, not the greatest gig, but, you know, he probably got to fuck Merv Griffin, so.
1: Uh, do you think he would have been into that type of thing?
0: I mean. yeah. To- when
1: you think of Denny Theriault, holy crap. That whole disco era was about coke and sex, the two things. That guy must have just been fucking constantly.
0: Oh, yeah. Merv Griffin. You no,
1: know, Denny Theriault.
0: Well, but I mean, that's who produced Dance Fever, so.
1: Right, but he didn't fuck him, do you think? Ah, come on, man. Really? You Might be naive st- now?
0: You probably still think the earth is flat, uh, you know. And then, you know, then he's in TJ Hooker. So he had a nice, like, three or four-year run of, like, pretty high-profile gigs. And then, you know... I don't know what happened, but that's you know someone who I'd like to get on just to talk about.
1: Oh, I thought you had him on.
0: No, no, I'm I. I was saying like I was I'm having a hard time getting someone like say John Glover, who I just, ah right. But Adrian's met actually accepted my friend request and you know said he you know think about it and I see a lot of like kind of working actors at my gym.
1: So have you ever had the guts to ask him?
0: I asked Greg Henry the other night, uh, and he said, yeah, I'd love to do it. Who's no. that? He's a guy. He's that typical. You. He's like over 100 credits on IMDb. Uh, probably one of the more prolific character actors of the last 20 years. And I just think it would be neat to have oh, someone like that. Just to say, dude, you
1: were in Scarface, and you've worked steadily since. So... You know, I, I was saying this, and I know that I started it, and I know the worst thing about doing podcasts is getting lost and starting a story and never really finishing it. But I, I was saying to you before, one of the great things about your podcast is you live in that era, and you said between 83 and... Yeah, like like 91. 91. And in there, people that were popular during that time, you know, the best part of their career is normally behind them. So when you ask them, and how do you how do you sell your podcast what do you say to people like pretend i'm a guy that uh you want to have in the show give me a name somebody you'd let's like to
0: say have you were a cast member in. um <laughs> let's say over the top the stallone arm wrestling movie
1: <laughs> so who was a cast member in there
0: well the main bad guy died uh you know so i don't want to be him I don't but be let, let's just say the kid from over the top <laughs> okay who I don't think I've seen in anything since. Okay. Uh, so I,
1: how would you go and I would, you know, Facebook. I'll answer the, f- oh. I would, well,
0: I mean, I would, you know, you reach out online, you know, Facebook or Twitter, possibly Instagram now, and I would say, hey, Mr. Mendenhall. Is that his name? David Mendenhall. Okay. Say, so, hey, my name's Earl Skakel, uh, and I oversell myself a little bit. I say, like, yeah. Hey,
1: I- that's what I'm saying. Okay, so let's do this. Now, I've I've responded to you. I said, I'd be interested. Why don't you give me a call? So now this is that call.
0: Ring, ring, ring. Hello, David's residence. Hey, David, it's Earl Skakel, Inappropriate Earl Podcast.
1: How do I know you?
0: Contact you on Facebook about doing my show. Okay. You know, I'm a big fan of over the top, and uh, yours uh, individually as well. And, really?
1: Uh, Tell just, me something uh, else I've done.
0: Uh, Are you there? I think you did. Uh, hold on, let me look up your IMDb page. No,
1: that wasn't what I was just trying to see. Where this? Okay, all right. So you're big over the top.
0: Fan. Big over the top fans. One of my favorite movies of all time. I, I would love to have you on to discuss it. I mean, you got to. I mean, that was probably some would say the, the zenith of Stallone's career.
1: Really, you think that?
0: Well, I mean, it, the movie didn't do well, but uh, you know, eighty. You know, he had just done Cobra, which was a huge box office thing. Before that, Rocky, I think four was a killer. I mean, he really. Uh, we had one or two bombs. I mean, Nighthawks didn't do that great.
1: But I'll tell you, that's actually one of my favorite Stallone movies. Nighthawks. Oh yeah, do you feel that way too, then? Oh,
0: I well, I bought Rutger Hauer's uh, autobiography just to read the chapter on Nighthawks, mm. which he did not look very favorably back on. So really, why did he
1: think that Stallone was an asshole?
0: Well, this was, I guess, Stallone's first movie that he was, uh, you know, either producing or directing. It was like. You know, he had, you know, I think what was Rocky two was a pretty big hit. And uh, so this was like, all right, let's see what you got when it's not called Rocky. And uh, I guess the first scene they had filmed, if you remember the movie Nighthawks, was the end. Which is kind of weird when you think about it. And that's the scene where he's dressed up as Lindsay Wagner. Rutger Hauer comes in to kill him. He right. turns around and shoots him. And Rutger Hauer goes flying out of the apartment. Apparently, they had Rutger Hauer on a cable, that, you know, so when, you know, the fake bullets hit him, it, it would pull him back. And Stallone told the uh, stunt coordinator, without telling Rutger Hauer, crank it up to the highest level. Really? So he, he got pulled a lot harder than he had anticipated. And uh, Rutger Hauer basically in his book was like, all right, is, this is how this movie is going to go. Uh, we're in for a long shoot. Oh, so they did that right at the beginning? Yeah, that was the first scene that Rutger Howard filmed. So, uh, every chase scene you see throughout Nighthawks, which was done after that scene, uh, Rutger Howard would outrun Stallone in every scene because he was like, this guy thinks he's going to alpha male me. I'm going to be more physically uh, in shape or whatever than him. And he he said that really pissed off Stallone. So,. uh, you know that that is one of my top five Stallone movies. He, he kind of gets uh, overlooked. Yeah, I
1: I wonder why.
0: Well, I just I love Rutger Hauer, and he was so good as the bad guy.
1: You know, and uh, well, that's not really a reason why it wasn't very popular. Why do you think it wasn't?
0: Oh, uh, well, you know, uh, let me see what what kind of movies were big in '82. Uh, I think uh, Return of the Jedi was just about to come out. Uh, I you know it was kind of semi low budget you know not enough special effects you know uh I mean outside of Stallone I mean Rector Hauer was an unknown I mean Billy D Williams was he was certainly not an unknown but uh
1: Billy D Williams was a major star Billy D Williams actually was such a big star that he represented sex appeal soulful sex appeal unlike anybody at the time
0: oh he still does i see him at the gym every now and then and you know i'm not starstruck by many people you know you, we see the biggest names and certainly comedy at the store and it's like oh that's that's this guy or this girl but billy d williams works out in an all-white jumpsuit with sunglasses on and he, he's usually on the treadmill and you're like like fuck man that's Lando is that what you look at him as? So that's how I look at him yeah. as. Or, uh, Sergeant Fox from Nighthawks. So, but yeah, you know, it's one of those movies. Uh, you know, another movie that I love actually came out in '77 called Roller Coaster.
1: Really? I don't even know that movie.
0: Oh, I mean, it's a movie about a guy who goes around the country blowing up roller coasters. And, uh, Timothy Bottoms. You know, it's sounding more and more familiar. Well, unfortunately, it came out the same week into Star Wars. So it just... Mm. Uh,
1: you talk about just bad luck. Um, yeah, but-, but you know what? Sometimes that's good luck because there's people that go to those. And I could see a lot of parents maybe leaving their kids and they see another movie because they didn't want to see Star Wars and fight with all the bullshit of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you'd think that might be the case, but... Uh, you know, it just didn't because catch on. Because they're
1: at the theater, that type of thing.
0: Um, George, George Segal, or Siegel, uh he was like the FBI agent who, uh, you know, was chasing him all around the country. And one of my favorite older actors, Richard Widmark, was uh, the cranky, uh, you know, FBI guy. And uh, Steve Guttenberg's first role ever. Oh, so, uh, you know, it just didn't, uh, you know, didn't pan out big Wednesday. Another, uh, movie There's a great documentary. I don't usually plug other things on my show that I have nothing to do with, but, uh, on uh, Netflix about John Milius, which was, uh,
1: John Milius, who is that?
0: Did, uh, did Apocalypse Now and, uh, but what do you mean? He was an actor? No, that? no, he was uh producer, director mm-hmm. and, uh. Best friends with uh, George Lucas and uh, Spielberg, they all went to the USC film school. Really? And everyone thought John Milius was going to be, like, bigger than those two because he was brilliant. And uh, he did a surf movie called Big Wednesday.
1: Right there in itself would show that he's not going to be bigger than those other guys. Great movie, though. Great movie, maybe. But you know what? Who cares about surfing?
0: Yeah, that's probably, you know. In the
1: Midwest, and when you're thinking about that, uh, you got to figure all the people around the world how many people are going to go see a movie, but how many people are interested in surfing because they don't have water. By the way, speaking of news, uh, I saw this earlier today and I was wondering your thoughts because he was one of my favorite players at a point Kenny Stabler.
0: Yeah. Breaking news inappropriate, Earl the Snake. Dee, 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 dee. I'm going to do the Gary Mull there typewriter. I'll tell you,
1: they, the Oakland Raiders during the time that he was there, very exciting team in the mid '70s.
0: But I hated them because I was and, a yeah. Steeler
1: guy. Steeler guy, but still, don't you kind of look back and kind of respect the good opponents? Oh yeah, him and uh, Belichickoff, and, uh, and and who's the other good? Uh, the other receiver. Uh, who had all the gook on his hand. Oh,
0: uh, well, no, that was, no, that uh, was Lester Hayes. Lester Hayes.
1: But um, I think all the receivers did it, too.
0: Yeah, Cliff Branch. Cliff Branch is the one I was No, uh, I think Banaszak was the running back. And, uh, you know, uh, John, of course, my favorite, uh, if you love the movie North Dallas 40, uh, the great John Matuzak. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, Bolidnikoff said he was uh, blackballed from the uh, league after uh north dallas 40 because he was oh the, because they gave away secrets well yeah and he was the uh stunt i guess nick nolte's uh st- basically stunt receiver so any of the wacky catches in north dallas 40 were done by him mm-hmm. and uh of course john matuzak he was in uh, the great movie uh caveman with ringo star
1: ringo Starr,
0: and sloth
1: and the goonies a lot of people don't know that I I think that for Ringo it was a great movie because of the fact he met his wife who Barbara still Bach, looks good,
0: who is in one of my favorite cult movies ever. What Ralph Macchio's first movie? It's called Up the Academy, and it is. I don't what know else if you was in that. Um, let me see. <laughs> well, let me see. Barbara Bach was like the the sexy drill instructor. Ron Liebman. Uh, who was so embarrassed by the movie, he had his name taken out of the credits. Mad TV, it was Mad TV's, I think, first movie they produced. Really? And it's just about horny guys, uh, horny kids in a military academy. And it's, it's pretty funny. You know, it's a little dated now, but, you know, 1980, what you know, what do you expect? In your prime. Yeah, you know, at, at 1980, I was 12 years old, listening to Kiss Unmasked, thinking yeah. that,
1: had you had sex as of yet?
0: No, no. I that was eighty nine, I blew it out. <laughs> I was twenty one. Twenty
1: one. Really.
0: So but I remember listening to Kiss Unmasked, going, God, Peter Chris drums sound different on this album. And it wasn't Peter Chris. Bingo. Anton Fig.
1: I was gonna ask you something about that that what what movie were we just talking about before that?
0: Big Wednesday Nighthawks, Over the Top Cobra. Oh, all the your Stallone movies. The Stallone, uh, you know, he had some gems. And so, then he, you know, Stop Or My Mom Will Shoot kind of took him down a wrong path.
1: But did it take him down a wrong path?
0: Well, yeah. no, he did some good, you know, like I love Cliffhanger. You know, that and was still, good.
1: You know, everybody puts down De Niro for all the comedies he does he's never made more money doing those movies
0: oh yeah I mean he probably made more money on Meet the
1: Fockers
0: than Taxi Driver
1: oh I'm absolutely positive about you know, that absolutely positive because he was the producer and all that and the fan that's my,
0: that's my favorite De Niro line ever is in the fan with what Wesley is Snipes uh, well he was uh, De Niro's in the car with his kid and they're talking about Wesley Snipes as a baseball player. I forget Wesley Snipes' name in the movie, and the kid says something like, "Well, I love Bobby Bonilla; he's the best." And De Niro looks at the kid and goes, "Yeah, well, Bobby Bonilla takes it in the ass." <laughs> and the kid was like, "What?"
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then th- that's not the name he used, but I just Bobby Bonilla's name, you know, hit me in the uh, memory bank.
1: So what's gonna happen? What, is, what does the future hold? What do you see happening soon? For me? For everything. Oh. For, like, the comedy store. What's Earl's next move? What is going on here? Uh, do you ever wh- get frightened? Do you ever think, wow, am I doing the right thing?
0: I mean, uh, when I see some of the people succeeding, I'm like that. I'm like, is this how I have to act to get ahead in the business? But, uh, you know, luckily I'm not, like, a starving uh you know, uh, right. So I can stay a little more truer to my roots than
1: some. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I could not be be luckier. You know. Yeah. I'd like to be. You know, a big part of Jimmy Kimmel Live. I do the audience warm up there. If anybody doesn't know, it'd be cool to be in there. I was on the other night. They, uh, I, uh, in the pre-show, Jimmy said, "Who would like to fight Rowdy Ronda? What's her R- name? Rosie? Rowdy Ronda Rousey." Right. And I raised my hand and he got a kick out of it, and said, you know, I'd actually like to watch that. And then so during the show, he uh, mentioned our own, our warm-up guy wants to take her on. And they did a couple quick flashes to me and I'm <laughs> right at the camera. So I'd like to do more of that. But boy, I'm very, very fortunate because I work f- like basically eight hours a week. <laughs> making enough money to keep things above my head and pay for a few things here and there. And I get to work on all these projects. That's the reason I do three podcasts. I'm very frightened, man. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to find out how much farther the big three goes because we're just about done with our pilot. And uh, so we see where everything goes. And I'll tell you, this is not a fair town. It is not fair at all.
0: Oh, yeah, man. I mean, Rob Schneider probably gave me the best advice when I think I had a audition for Montreal three or four years in a row and didn't get it. Um, uh, one year uh, that I had a callback, two people who basically bombed on the callback got it. And he, I think he sensed I was kind of like, what, what am I doing? And uh, he's like, just become so big and, and so good they can't deny you.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. So,
0: Well, you know, you think no shit, but, it, you know, coming from someone of his, you know, that's a guy who's been to the mountaintop, you know, in multiple areas of the business, you know, movies, TV, stand up. So, you know, if he says it, I'll listen to it.
1: Well, I'll tell you something interesting. I I think that we live in an era where it's much easier to make yourself something special. I mean, think about it. We're doing a podcast right now. I do three podcasts that are out there, and that draws a lot of attention. You know, you get a few thousand people that listen to what you do. They might be interested then in some of your social media stuff. Then it becomes, you know, something where they turn somebody on to it. I'll tell you, we live in a great era if you want to try to make it on your own because there's no upper management that has to say, oh, yeah, let's... Don, let's let's have a meeting. Let's do something. You know, I think I've had about three meetings in my life. You know, I hear about these people that go to these festivals. And I think, holy crap. I see some of these things online, and some of the people, like, they'll talk about comedy in the area. They never mention my name, and they'll mention people that, like, I'm still curious how they ever get stage time. So this... Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Do you get real frustrated at all?
0: Oh sure, man. I mean uh
1: What's something that recently pissed you off and like, wow, it's just uh, you know, uh just uh, like uh, something that really upset you and like, wow, what am I doing? Um uh let me see. Uh probably uh like uh
0: You know, you see people who uh, get Montreal and, you know, it's just an example. Uh, But do you you or a late night talk show, uh, which, you know, I'd love to do just because I I know nothing means what it used to be. Right. But this town is all industry crap.
1: You're getting some stuff on Tom Green. Yeah, but I mean, how'd you get with that?
0: Uh, they, um, let me see. Uh, the Rob Schneider's ex assistant is one of the producers. Oh, so, uh, yeah, no, that, that's fun, but. Were they uh,
1: happy with you when you did these shows? Yeah.
0: I mean, uh, you know, that that's a tough one for me to do because, uh, I guess I'm responsible for getting the guests, but I have to save the good guests for this show. Right. You know, so it's like, uh, I have to be creative in terms of like. Like uh, I had a recent episode of this where I had Nita Strauss, the uh, guitar player from Alice
1: Cooper's band. Which guy was he? What? She's
0: blonde, the blonde girl. Oh, who was at the store the other night? So Um, it's a new okay. It's her, uh, his newest uh, guitar player. She's amazing. I mean, incredibly beautiful. But I'll put her up against any guy guitar player. I mean, really? Oh, she's not just there for the looks. I mean, I'll show you a tape of her where she's in a. It's like a jam session with Kenny Aronoff on drums, you know, John Cougar's drummer. Right. Uh, Brad Gillis from Night Ranger, who's an amazing. And she held her own. Like, she did not take a back seat. But I had a choice of either getting her on here first or Tom Green's show. And I'm like, I got to have her on mine first. Well, that's smart. That's well, smart. yeah. I mean, I don't think Tom Green needs. You he know, he has no idea who she is. Yeah. But, you know, it's like I need the listeners for my show first. So, uh, but that's fun to do. And Tom uh, is incredibly nice to me. So uh, that's fun. But, uh, you know, you just uh, you see some people on show. So, I mean, I I did a show recently with someone who uh, got Montreal and uh, as a they couldn't even go on after me and i'm not hard to follow to be honest with you uh, you know cuz my energy's low and you know it's like they're getting montreal i couldn't even get an audition well
1: so. you know i think a lot of that has to do with uh management people
0: oh and, absolutely and, and when
1: you come back to that taking the advice of your pal over there he's exactly right just get to a level where now they have to bring you on because you're too big not to, and you'll hit that level. And when that happens, then it's all, it's all a cakewalk. Then.
0: Oh yeah, that's the goal is to get to that level, and you know, uh, it's like roast battle has somewhat helped me in that area because you know every you're week you're known by more people for sure. Yeah, and that's uh, I wouldn't say that's what got me past at the store, but I think Adam seeing me every week usually do well. Not every week, but you know, I'd say. 80% of the, the, the shows I've done have, have gone well or pretty, you know, pretty good. So that helped. So I've gotten, you know, and I got a cartoon series from that show. So. Oh, what's
1: the cartoon series you got?
0: Uh, Tyler, the creator, he's uh, a huge rapper. and He's like the new P. Diddy. He's got clothing line, music, tours. He's got his own phone app. Uh, he was up at the roast battle one night and I was kind of shitting all over him cause I had no idea who he was. And I got a call the next day from his manager saying, would you like to be the voice of his dad in his new cartoon series?
1: The voice of his dad.
0: Yeah. It's a great series. It's only on his app right now, but, uh, he has a white father. Uh, well, I guess my voice sound, I'm the only white guy on the show because my oh, yeah. voice is pretty deep and uh so i i play the voice i play berry jelly and the jellies give me a little berry jelly voice uh, well uh, he he's an office worker and he's always getting hit on uh by his gay uh, coworker and uh, so like uh like you play the gay coworker and just say say something you know not dirty but like say Can I something, say something dirty though well i yeah go ahead i mean it's, I won't. Okay, forget. But say, just throw a, a like a come online on me.
1: By the way, I'm completely joking. I obviously know what you're...
0: Well, it is a dirty. Um, is it? <laughs> excuse me. the The cartoon series right now is. Uh, I shouldn't say dirty, but it's very uh, edgy. So right now, it's only on his app. Okay. Because I'm not sure. Uh, he he has another show on Adult Swim already. So really, this, oh, this kid's amazing. Two two and a half million followers on Twitter.
1: I'm trying to think of who that is.
0: Super nice guy. What's yeah. his name again? Tyler, the creator. I actually did see him. I could see him being on Kimmel. He or... was on
1: Kimmel recently. Yeah, incredibly. And he is a good guy. Just, uh... And he's just, like, kind of amazed that he's like, yeah, I just started doing this. And he's just, he's like a guy that's constantly thinking of things to do. Yeah, well, he's, it's
0: weird to, like, you know, the first day I, the pilot episode we did, I walk into this you know, million-dollar recording studio, you know, and uh, to see this kid in his mid-20s be so like, okay, we're going to do this then, we're going to do that there, that's not good. I mean, he was very business-like.
1: Well, you see, that's the thing. I watch Kimmel, and that's what Kimmel's like. He, you know, that's why he's going to be probably a pretty good producer. He's already produced a lot of shit because he thinks of ideas, and he kind of envisions them, and he kind of has a a knack for knowing what people like. And it's because he just is a likable dude. So, and so's this guy.
0: Oh, he's, he's
1: all incredible. He's a really to me. nice guy. I saw that. And you know, it's like one of those guys after the show, I like, wow, I never knew who that was, but boy, I'm pulling for that dude.
0: Well, I mean, uh, w- which was the funny thing is at roast battle, uh, you know, I'm playing the house. Racist. Hater <laughs> slash racist. <laughs> I think I was still the house racist at the time. Right. And, uh, he was actually sitting in my chair at the, at my table. I'm like, Hey man, you got to get up. I mean, this is my, this is my chair. And like, here's this guy worth millions probably gone. I'm new talks to me like this. And he was cool. And he sat across from me and I'm like, Hey man, does anyone have some Purell? This guy got cocoa butter all over my chair.
1: I think I might've been at that show.
0: Yeah. You might've been. I, I just, I think Chappelle was there that night as well. And, uh, you know, I'm just shitting all over this guy and I, I really think he liked that. Like, oh, this white guy doesn't know who I am. He's like keeping it real. So I saw him afterwards at the comedy store uh, driveway, and I or walked. All up.
1: big meetings are held.
0: Well, they, they, there was definitely some kind of a powwow going on with him and uh, Gerard Carmichael and uh, some of Tyler's—not necessarily bodyguards, but you know, uh, some big dudes who I think look out after him. I So I sheepishly walked up to him, like, "Hey, man, I don't mean to interrupt, but..." Uh, you know what I was doing upstairs. Uh, it's just—it's just a character. So I, I hope you weren't offended, and I'm sorry. And I can't say what he said, but he said my blank. You my blank. My. It, <laughs>
1: Wait a minute. You can't say that.
0: Well, it's the GGA ending, so I don't know if I can necessarily say that, but it rhymes with bigger. But replace the word still. B with N. Okay, still lost. So he said, "My, you my, and I'm like, hey, can I call you that? And his bodyguard is like, no. <laughs> and then, so I got the call the
1: next day. and Oh, very know. cool,
0: man. So, you know, that's... I didn't know
1: that. Congratulations. Good for you.
0: No, that's cool to get on a, uh, you, know, you know, if it ever were to get on like Adult Swim or Comedy Central, that would be like a big credit for me. Well, and,
1: and you see, and what ends up happening, guys like that they associate with people and if they like them they'll continue to work with them so they may bring you into a movie congratulations man that's that's a great great thing
0: yeah no it's i'm i'm happy and you know i'm just trying to build up some credits but uh, you know i i like going on late night at the store so i want i don't necessarily want the credits starting to go on earlier because i
1: i like going on late night. yeah it's fun me too absolutely i am a little tired of seeing nobody there though
0: Well, I mean, I think the crowds, you know, they peek out after the TV comics go on, and then they probably, you know.
1: I just don't understand why they never get behind that. You know, it's like, you know, there are people that have fans, and if they built a late-night show, you know, I don't know why they don't do it. Never understood that.
0: Well, of any uh, comedy club in the city, you know, I think the store is the, the most late-night potential.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's late-night people that go up there, but they should build it up and make it like crazy because I guarantee you what what it would end up happening, though, is uh, if there's crowds, then these guys that have TV gigs that are comics, they'd stop by and do fallouts or they just do pop-ins.
0: Right. No, that's true, too. So that's yeah.
1: So maybe it's best that there aren't many people there.
0: But you know you have
1: to. I actually think you have to be one of the stronger comics to go on late night. You know because well, you know. I honestly believe that it is without question the reason I like going up late is it's the hardest thing to do. Oh yeah, I mean they've already like
0: they've seen Dalia, they've, they've seen they've Brian seen Callen, everything. Rogan, Co, uh Cody, Joey
1: Diaz, yeah. uh, you know, Whitney so like, Cummings, Whitney yeah. Cummings, uh, like a lot. Anybody who's, they've seen on TV, which is more exciting because then in their mind, tourists are thinking, well, I don't know who this guy is. He can't be good.
0: Yeah, I know. So then like guys like. So they start weeding out. But then if they stay, I think uh, like the other night, some girl went up to me after the show and said, you and the last guy, she didn't know your name, but just said the la- you guys were the cherry on top. Uh, I don't mean to to say anything, but yeah, I hear that a lot too. So it's, you know. I mean, I go on first every now and then, and it's not bad. But uh, you know, my
1: humor, right? You know, I'm a little—I uh, neuter are, myself. People are amazed when I go up early and do well. But you know what? I've always said this. All I'm trying to do is sell myself. If they like you, they're going to follow you anywhere you go. And I do as an exercise. I do shit that's so disgusting that people have to like me to stay there and i'm lucky i've kind of learned to do that so but yeah late nights are fun i'm glad you're part of it i mean you've been doing it for a long time even before he became the paid regular late nights are always the best oh yeah it's just fun and you know it's and even when you're just sitting in there in the back did you see jason tebow there last
0: tebow night? is back yeah it's another guy who hopefully will be passed soon and
1: yeah oh and, yeah uh,
0: you know he's glad he's you know uh, figured it out. You know, got back on track and
1: you know he probably will. Yeah, I mean I think Adams, uh, I think Adam likes him a lot and you know, you know he should have been
0: passed a long time ago, but uh, you know, probably better that he's hopefully he gets passed now because he's a stronger comic and you know, so got his his own uh, podcast. I think Punch Shrunk.
1: Yeah, uh, it is. so well, you know, you boy, everybody has a podcast, don't they?
0: I mean, yeah, that's. Do you uh, do a lot
1: of other people's podcasts?
0: Um, I well, I co-host with Rowdy Roddy Piper. I co-host his podcast. How's that going? Uh, well, I think most wrestling fans like me, but there's been a few that said, "Oh, this guy's the worst." Really? <laughs> so, but you you know, it's wrestling fans, you know. But I mean, Piper has me in as long as piper likes me that's all i yeah, care that's all that matters
1: it's his podcast if he feels good with you yeah i remember when he first started you know uh he came over and he became really good friends with jimmy's cousin sal who's on jimmy kimmel live and you know he actually said hey do you want to go over there and help him out a little bit so when he first came and i knew that i didn't want to come in the middle of the night and so uh You know, I introduced him to Steve Simone. Yeah, Yeah. Steve Simone, you know, he was like a kid in a candy store, loving him.
0: Well, that's, I mean, Piper, like, if you follow pro wrestling, it's like he's like Superman. Right. The number one bad guy of all time, by far. Is he really? Oh, by far. No one touches him as a bad guy. He's like the
1: Ron Jeremy of bad guys in Mm -hmm. wrestling.
0: Yeah, I mean, because he, like, and you talk about racial angles. There was one angle where he literally... I think he was fighting The Rock's dad, Rocky Johnson. Right. And he painted himself half white and half black. (laughs) (laughs) Did he really? Oh, yeah. I mean, they did some wild... I mean, you know, the WWF, now it's WWE, uh, they might be the most racially insensitive company in the history of companies. Really? Well, you look at some of the... It's funny... You look at some of the racial characters they did, especially in the 80s. You had the junkyard dog who was a, a black dude who came to the ring in a dog collar and would get on all fours and bark like a dog. And then you had Slick, the manager, who was like a
1: pimp. Well, as you're saying this, I need to remind people, and for people that don't know who I am, to me there's one race, and that's the human race, and I of course, try to say that all the time.
0: But I mean, it's just funny, like now those characters would never fly. But, you know, they had Kamala, the Ugandan giant, who was like allegedly some savage beast that Vince McMahon flew over from Africa who couldn't speak English. And he just pounded his belly to communicate. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, who was your favorite wrestler of all time? uh, I, I like the ultimate warrior. Because I met him once, and he's dead. He died uh, last year. So I would have
1: uh, thought it was Ric Flair.
0: I like Ric Flair. Oh, there's you know, it's it's like asking who your favorite football player is. I mean, well, I could say that, but who? Who's your favorite football player? Barry Sanders. Oh yeah, but I mean, there must be some guys. You there's do.
1: people that I respect. There's a lot of de- former Detroit Lions that I loved. What about Herman Moore? Herman Moore. I loved Herman Moore. I you mean, want- it was like here's a team that has two unbelievable explosive weapons, Herman Moore and uh, Barry Sanders. They could never get the quarterback that took them to another level.
0: You mean Eric Hipple wasn't the guy?
1: Well, I believe at the time. Who was the guy they got from the Dolphins? Oh, he was man. a backup for the—and when uh, and he, Moreno got hurt at one point, and he came out and played. So the next year he was the big free agent. And the Lions got Scott Mitchell, Mitchell, Scott Mitchell, right. You know, Scott Mitchell was good, but, you know, he wasn't that guy that took a team to another level. Like, and you can go right back to Kenny Stabler. There was a guy, there's a natural leader, you know.
0: Not the greatest form. I mean, kind of had like a sidewinder, Right. you know. but. But he was
1: a great leader and people got behind him because you believed in that guy. And I think that's a very important thing to have, especially as a quarterback.
0: Was well, a Steeler fan, and you know, we when you got here, we were watching the uh, the Steve Bartman 30 for 30. I
1: oh, uh, even watching it now, if I may just say real quick, please God, I feel sorry for that man.
0: Hey, well, yeah, like you know, uh, if you watch that play with and for those younger fans, you know, the Cub fan fucked up a play and. They lost the game and ended up losing the series. There was, like, six other people trying to catch that ball. Right.
1: Oh, and and it's what everyone else was doing. Uh, But, boy, oh, boy, that guy is chased out of Chicago.
0: Yeah, and he's never done an interview on the... uh, He's
1: never done one?
0: And the same thing with Buckner. You know, everyone... You know, blames Buckner for the Red Sox losing, but they don't talk about the inning before the guy, uh, the pitcher threw a wild pitch and and the tying run scored. So, you know, Buckner, you know, he was a part of why they lost. But
1: Well, it's just where you can point to. But that guy, I would almost consider him like myself. I'm a huge Detroit Tiger fan. You know, I would do nothing. But if I saw that, and I saw a ball coming at me. He's probably looking up. And he tried to catch it. It wasn't, you know, if he would have gone like this and caught it in the air, that wouldn't have been close. But because he's not an athletic type, he came down there and tried to catch it. And he couldn't even catch it there.
0: Well, I caught a foul ball once. It ain't did, that fucking hard. Did but you really? All, all I was uh, telling you it was at a Dodger game. Dodgers and the Cincinnati Reds. There's a 3-2 pitch from uh, the Reds pitcher was Jim Kern. And the Dodger batter was Pedro Guerrero,
1: Jim Kern, who later became like a great closer, maybe for
0: Cleveland. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't, I just, I was a huge Reds fan back then, so uh, I kind of like yeah, he probably because uh, he was a pretty good pitcher. And uh, what
1: year was this? This was uh, probably uh, early '80s. Can you look it up, Jim Kern? Yeah, see, yeah, yeah, See uh, who he played with, because I, I think that he might have been, like, a big closer for the Indians at one point. Like, he was, like, maybe an all-star closer.
0: And I still have the ball upstairs. Do you really? Oh, I save everything, except for those uh, four Super Bowl balls that Art Rooney sent me.
1: And those are the ones that you went out and played catch with. Ugh, what a goyim I was. No, I mean, no, you have always were a goyim.
0: But I was watching the 30 for 30 uh, on that 83 quarterback draft, and it, it's... Amazing, and they get to Dan Marino, and the Steelers were supposed to draft him. Right. And uh they interview uh, some scout for the Steelers, and they're like, well, we still had Terry Bradshaw, and we didn't really want to hurt Terry's feelings because we knew we had him for a couple more years. And so they drafted, uh, I think, Gabriel Rivera.
1: <laughs> Let me ask you this. Dip. In thinking about that draft, what year was it, 83. 83. So the Super Bowl seasons were over for the Steelers, right?
0: The uh, you know the eighties, uh, although the, it's my favorite era for Kiss and the Steelers were kind of a dark, right. dark the, time.
1: So because like the nineteen eighty Super Bowl was the last time that they were in the Super Bowl. It was the end of the Steelers' huge era. And then, but uh, where did they go? Like, what were they? What was
0: well, yeah the like? Like, Louie Lips was their best receiver. Who was well, the quarterback? Well, they went through a few. Oh, they uh, David Woodley, Mike uh, Tomczak, uh, Bobby Brister, Mark Malone, who would literally stare at the receiver for 20 minutes and then throw it to him. Usually, you know, great-looking guy, but, uh, you know, the Steelers. You know, that's the thing in sports, though. It's like, you can't be great and then you know you're going to be bad for a while because you know you don't get the good draft picks and
1: and that goes through years absolutely. I mean, you look at the Kings, you know. I think it's different now than it was before because back then, I remember the 1984 Tigers. They won the the World Series that year. Started out 35 and five, a great start. But in that era, they picked up one. Big free agent, and they had the core of the team there. Now a, a team can, you look at the the Marlins, they'd win a World Series, they'd have a clearance sale, and all their great players were gone. But then a few years later, they built it back and won another World Series. Incredible what you can do in sports now.
0: Uh Jim Kern, uh, he did hit an all-star game. Uh Yes, he was a uh, uh, 29
1: saves one year. For Cleveland? Uh, yes. It was. So, um, so, is this so when you caught the foul ball off a pitch that he threw, was it before he was this Cleveland closer? Or I after? want to say
0: it was after. I think the Reds picked him up in the 80s and, well, uh, you know, uh, I think they made him into a starter. Really? Uh, from what I remember. But uh, the ball, uh, it, it When I was at my dad's company at season seats, second level, first base side, it went over uh, above my head onto the third level. I don't know what it hit up there. Came back down, hit the guy in the head next to me, and it just fell right into my lap. And I was like, you know, probably 13 years old, and everyone's looking at me like, aren't you going to give the ball to the guy who got hit in the head with him? I'm like, fuck that, man. It's welcome to the jungle, baby. You were still six years, be- almost seven years
1: before you were fucking at that point. Dude. Yeah,
0: 1989, uh, same year, A Kiss released Hot in the Shade, which is a great... uh great tour you know they came out of the pharaoh's mouth it probably the coolest of the hundreds thousands of concerts i've been to that was the best opening ever because the lights you know the arena is dark and then you see this pharaoh's head emerge it's a big fucking i mean it's like takes up the whole stage and then these laser beams come out of the eyes, and then the mouth opens up, and you see all what four members. What year was that? That was uh, 1990 at the Long Beach Arena with Slaughter and Winger opening up for kids. Did Kiss. they go
1: to uh, Dodger Stadium that year?
0: Oh, no. They didn't uh, play venues that big till they got back together with the original guys in 98. Yeah, was there. maybe
1: that's where I saw them, because I know I saw them at Dodger Stadium. I was there. Really? At the 3D show. It was like the shittiest 3D ever.
0: Yeah, Of course, KISS never delivered on anything they said that was going to be the Gene Simmons, our box sets, going to be the mother of all box sets. And it was all right. Although I think I was responsible for putting some songs on it. What do you mean? Well, one night, my ex-girlfriend still manages the band Motorhead. um, She was managing KISS on their convention tour.
1: What do you mean, their convention tour? Uh,
0: Well, it was a little teaser, I think, for Gene and Paul to see if there was interest in getting the original four back. So they would travel the country and do these conventions. Because I think Gene had gotten wind that uh, fans would have their own conventions and they would sell out and people would show their memorabilia. And, hey, I've got, uh, you know, a a Vinnie Vincent signed uh, stage worn T-shirt or whatever, and and Gene was like, well, let's we've got all this shit. Let's just, you know, Jean, if there's a dollar to be made. So they started touring the country doing the kiss convention and they'd come out and play, uh, acoustic songs. And at the one I went to in Burbank, uh, Peter Chris came out, uh, toward the end and the crowd went nuts. And uh, I think that was like a light bulb went off and Jean's head. Oh my God. What if we could get ACE and the whole thing? And, uh, so, uh, my ex had uh, helped coordinate that and, uh, long story short, one night we go into Jerry's deli on Beverly and uh, San Vicente, which is no longer in operation cause they had too many gang shootings there. Yeah. And, uh, Paul Stanley and the current guitar player who they dress up as ace were in a booth and he saw Shelley and signaled us over and, uh, you know, small talk and then, uh, Paul's talking about the box set, and Shelly looks at him and goes, well, this is the guy you should ask what should be on it. And I'll never forget the look he gave me. Like, he he looks at me, and I could, he didn't say anything, but I knew he was thinking, who the fuck are you to tell me what should be on my box set? And I said, Paul, I know what you're thinking. I'm the guy who's going to buy it. And I gave him a list of
1: songs. Did you say that to him? Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. Cause I didn't,
0: I mean, I said in a cool way. And he said, Well, I can't do a good Paul Stanley impression, but, you know, Craig Gass is the best at that. And he's like, Well, what songs do you think should be on it? And I said, Listen, people are sick of hearing rock and roll all night in Detroit, Rock City, and shout it out loud. They want to hear, like, you know, you guys it's
1: on record have. Maybe, maybe right now, I'm thinking so a box set leave these songs off without question the only songs that people really really care about unless you are at the level of kiss love that you want to suck their dicks
0: but to me like a box set is like i i mean kiss at that point had i mean rock and roll all night in detroit rock city and shout it out loud beth They've been on at least six or seven kiss albums, absolutely,
1: so it's like unless you have demos of those songs that um which is something that's kind of cool to do, I understand that, and that might be that might have been the way they should have handled it and I said, you know, listen, I, you guys have done at least three fully recorded
0: songs, probably on every album." that didn't get released people want to hear that you know people want to hear the desmond child song time traveler you know which is a song you did with him that wasn't released and gee what ends up on the box set you know people want to hear that song you did with wendy o williams it's my life uh you know which she covered uh, you know and gee what ended up on the box set, you know and all these you know you know demo songs the one song that didn't end up on the box set which i was disappointed is they did a song called sword and stone which is you know for an 80s song it's pretty good and uh, a band called bonfire german metal band sang it instead and but kiss has a fully recorded version of it and it's like
1: people want to hear that you know? And how did you know all this shit? Is that how big of a Kiss fan? Well, you I'm right? a huge Kiss fan,
0: and unlike I, most Kiss fans, I'm much more a fan of the '80s.
1: You know, right? Where most of them, they their big hits are from the '70s. Uh,
0: yeah, but yeah, I mean, their classic hits are from
1: the '70s. But uh, tell me the biggest hit you think they had of the '80s.
0: I would say "Lick It Up" and uh, "Heaven's on Fire."
1: Okay. Uh, I know lick it up and I do know Heaven's on fire, but you know, if you said to me, Hey, listen to these two songs, this is a great band. They'll sell millions of dollars in paraphernalia from their concerts and things like that. And I wouldn't I probably wouldn't go to them.
0: Well, that was in their uh um you know Kiss in the early 80s uh they, they were definitely struggling uh at least in America
1: and you know they just Have you ever thought of doing a live show?
0: A live show? Yes. I I would. Uh I I have, but I'm kind of a pussy uh uh and that's where I'll give Dean Del Rey credit. You know, he does live shows and does I know he? they do well. Um I'm I'm not uh I'll
1: tell you what you do. First of all, I find myself too much, like, thinking for next questions. And I'll, like, say, well, you know, uh, and you. And what I'll do is I'll tighten that up. But it seems like you carry through straight through. It seems like you have your things almost very well planned, even though you're just speaking off the cuff. You do a very good job. Oh, thank Plus, you. I'd like to see, then you could get involved with the Internet and people asking questions right there. And I wanted, I would live, love to see if there is a lot of KISS fans that would, talk about the things that you're talking about and be excited about them. I think the box set thing is a cool story because you actually talked to them and some things that you said, they may have listened to you because of it.
0: I mean, it's high, you know, I'm probably giving myself too much credit, but and, I mean. And you
1: may, but you know what? Maybe not, because how many people really know that? And what you were saying makes legitimate sense. I mean, you know, it's one of the things that I know that you too. when they made the film Rattle and Hum, which I think is a great movie. Have you ever seen it? Uh, bits and pieces. Okay. Anyway, in that movie, they had, like, celebrities come on. Like, I know that Bruce Springsteen did a song with them, but they didn't put it in the movie. I would love to see all that kind of stuff. Or even if they put it on an album of some kind, I would love to hear that. It's never come out. And well, you had that knowledge that it was there. And I'll bet you a lot of people don't know that.
0: Well, I mean, it's like assuming, uh, you know, you say to yourself, okay, well, who's Kiss marketing that particular box set to? Kiss fans. You know, right. it's not like they're trying to get, People like Adam, uh, the talent coordinator, and Nick Youssef to buy that. You know, they they aren't big Kiss fans. They're going after me. And I've already got rock and roll, and I eight literally seven, eight
1: records. Uh, But, you know, what you do is you... I think that the good ones, like you said, to hear a cut of, you know, songs that you never heard before of the big hits, that's a good thing to put in there. But, you know... I think if you're doing, like, a, a box that you want the biggest hits in there no matter what.
0: I think they have to be a different, like, there was one song, uh, I think God of Thunder, which is a big Kiss song. It's not a hit, but it's a big <laughs> song. Uh, from the classic lineup, there's a version of Paul singing it instead of Gene.
1: Put that on.
0: You know, that, that'd that be kind of cool to hear.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, or, or, but you're that big of a fan.
0: Put, you know, Gene singing a Paul song, I think... Uh, Shandy, uh, which was, you know, I mean, I just can't pretend no more. I keep running out of lies. Loving you is killing
1: me inside. You know what I'd love to do if you were live right now. I would like to ask the fans: Has anyone ever heard that song, or is Earl the first time you ever heard anybody sing that?
0: Oh, no, I was you know big, uh, you know not hit, but you know, that, was, you, that was Kiss trying to sound like the Cars.
1: Would you say that I have musical knowledge?
0: Oh, the, by far and away, the mo like my, but your knowledge is. Uh, uh, far superior to mine, and I, you know, people accuse me sometimes of being an ass kisser on this show, but my knowledge is, for the most part, uh, strictly to a uh, seven or eight year period. Right, exactly. Yours is 50s to now.
1: Right, and one of the things that I, what I'm actually thinking, I... No, Kiss very well like in my iPod I have every song that Kiss even put out there I don't have deep cuts but I have every song that Kiss even tried to release even in the 80s that you know so I'm sure that I have that song in there but that does not ring a bell at all right there for me and I'm not like a complete idiot when it comes to their music
0: oh no uh, I mean that was like the I think it was the first single they released off of Unmasked and the the big thing about that was in the video. It was Peter Chris's last uh, appearance in Kiss makeup. Really, even though he didn't play on the album. Thank you, Anton Fig. You know who also drummed on Dynasty. You know. Oh, uh, I okay. Peter Chris checked out pretty early. Was. Dynasty that was the one with I was made the for disco loving, one, yeah, yeah the, that started the Desmond Child Paul Stanley uh, collaboration Really So cuz he co-wrote the song Kiss your they he wrote I was made for love He co-wrote it with Paul so uh,
1: I actually know that was that went to number 12 on the Billboard charts I believe It was
0: uh, I it, well
1: See if I'm right See if I'm right I don't um look up Wikipedia on Wikipedia on your computer look up Kiss wikipedia and then go to uh i
0: believe kiss's biggest hit uh was uh and this is the funny thing uh michael bolton uh co-wrote a song forever
1: was that their biggest song it might yeah. been. i think it was definitely a top 10 song
0: kiss uh, never had a lot of radio hits you know they were strictly alive uh go to wikipedia i'd like to see this uh Tell what, us about the Ding Dong Show. Well, I, I the one thing I don't like is dead air on this show. So while I'm typing, I can't do two no, things. No, no, no. I'm
1: more. I was going to go a different route, but if you want me, to oh, no, about,
0: did go what route you were going? No, I was
1: going to talk about music for a second, but I'd be more than happy to talk about the Ding Dong Show. I'm really surprised that we don't have more people that come to that damn thing. It's it's pretty packed most weeks. It's pretty packed, but it's not like other shows there, like. I, You know, I think part of it is because no waitress comes up during our show, but our, our sales of alcohol are not that good. But we do have a lot of people. But I'll, that's one regret that I have. Why are people not coming to the Ding Dong Show more? Do you have let this? me
0: read this. Uh, I'll just read you the Wikipedia, and then we could delve okay. into it. Uh, I Was Made for Loving You is a song by American hard rock band Kiss released on the 79 album Dynasty. It was released as the A-side of the first single from the album. On the B-side was Hard Times. And let me see where it uh, doesn't... Uh, I wonder if the, that song played a lot in discos. Oh, yeah, it was huge. It was co-written by uh, Desmond Child and Vinnie Poncia. And
1: the... uh, Who is Vinny Ponce? It
0: reached number 11 on the Billboard Hot
1: 100. Number 11.
0: Wow. He was a producer who a lot of Kiss fans aren't fond of because he uh, worked on Dynasty and then Unmasked, which is seen as the beginning of Kiss's downfall. Um, And then The Elder, which uh, Kiss wrote a song with Lou Reed on.
1: Really? Well, Kiss,
0: uh, as you know, they've always followed the trends. They've never stayed to their roots, which is too bad because if they would have, they probably would have ended up making more money,
1: but uh, you know, More money than Kiss. There's a possibility that Kiss could have made more money than Kiss. Oh,
0: absolutely. Kiss reminds me very much of a gym I used to work at. Uh, Probably the only day job I've ever had in my life and uh, to show you what this gym's uh, mental capacity I was actually the nighttime manager toward the end of my run there. And they would sign up on average, long story short, 10 to 20 members a day. I mean, it was amazing. It was, it was a huge, it was the gym where uh, they filmed that John Travolta movie, Perfect. Perfect?
1: Okay. Where is that located?
0: Uh, Ocean Park and 31st. Oh,
1: uh, I thought that was, uh, sports did that up here.
0: Well, the, the aerobic scenes in that movie were filmed at the West Hollywood uh, Club, which is right down there. Okay. Maybe that's
1: um, what I was informed of.
0: But this gym made tons of money. But uh, machines always broken. Members would complain. And the gym's attitude was, listen, you don't like the gym, go somewhere else. Because we got 10 people signing up tomorrow. So we actually don't want you here. (laughs) That was basically the uh, the jacuzzi's not working. Hey, fuck off. Who cares? And I think that's... Kisses' problem. It's like, yeah, we're going to, you know, disco's big. We're going to put out a disco album. Uh, you know, uh, the Cars are big. We're going to put out basically a Cars album. You know, Pink Floyd's doing The Wall. We're going to put out The Elder. And their hardcore fans are like, what is this? And uh, listen, you don't like it? We got 10 people signing up tomorrow. And I think if this gym would have fixed the jacuzzi and fixed the bikes, they would not only had 10 people signing up, but they would have had everyone renewing their memberships. And I think if kiss would have stayed a little more to their, what's that gym now? It's still in business. And, uh, You know, I mean, Kiss is still in business, but, you know, I think especially right now, instead of putting out fucking Kiss condoms and rubbers and, you know, Kiss coffee shops and Kiss theme parks and Kiss fucking pencils. Are they in the
1: Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah. Do you think that that's becoming more and more prestigious? I know that they put out, like this year on HBO, I think it was, they put it out like a week after it happened, the, the ceremony for the induction to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And they never did that before, AI, not before, but at the beginning they didn't have access to that. And I love that kind of stuff. Did well, you watch that? Do you watch stuff like that, or don't you care?
0: Well, I did with the Kiss uh, one, but they didn't play because they hate each other. The four guys, Paul wanted every uh, he wanted the current guys to play too, and and the Rock and Roll was Hall of Fame was like, no, we want just you, Gene, Ace, and Peter. And Paul's like, well, I want Eric and Tommy up there too, and you know we'll do a couple songs, and you know they're like, no, it's just the original four, really. So uh, they didn't even play. Um, I, I don't really. I don't know when Deep Purple's not in, when, you know, uh, who else isn't in? I think uh, Dio is not in. And I'm not just saying Metal Axe, but, like, you, you know, when you see some band the cars aren't in, you know, I don't know how. Cars were
1: spectacular.
0: And they? they, you know, it, they had a long enough career, I think, where they should,
1: should be in. Five top favorite bands of all time. Uh, i would say uh, let's see kiss the cars uh and this is this or in the order
0: no i it's like someone asked me the other day name your top five guitar players and it's just no order i just you know i i I can't i can't pick you know like can uh, you name five bands yeah rat uh really your favorite five Oh yeah, but I also grew up when Rat was in their prime, and then well, 80s. how long
1: was their prime though?
0: Um, they probably had like a three-year like where they were like the biggest metal band, and uh, really from like eighty four to eighty six.
1: Really, I mean, round and round. I, I might disagree with that, and I'm trying to think.
0: But I'm what? saying biggest metal. I'm not saying uh, they were bigger than Springsteen. No, I, of
1: course not. Both.
0: I'm saying, you know you gotta like big metal band but there was other metal who else was there, there was other band like quiet riot and motley crew and motley um, crew yeah they were but big. i think rat had like their initial two and a half year run you know they were all over mtv and sold out arenas and,
1: and because then, they always tried to make wacky music videos well they had the first two with Milton burrell and
0: that was oh that's kind of cool and then they kind of
1: didn't they go to the same guy from animal house Oh, I don't think so. Or was that Twisted Sister the ones that did that? Oh,
0: no, Twisted Sister did the ones with
1: Niedermeyer. Yeah, with Niedermeyer. uh, Wasn't Niedermeyer in any rad videos? You'd know instantly. Okay, then I was wrong.
0: The great thing about the Twisted Sister one, they did a second one with Niedermeyer, I Want to Rock. And at the end, you know, it's basically showing Niedermeyer get you know thrown through the basketball, getting blown up, and he walks up to the principal's office and Flounder turns around and goes, oh, boy, is this going to be great? (laughs) <laughs> so, but then uh what killed Twisted Sister was uh they did a cover of Leader of the Pack, which Bobcat Goldthwaite from Windy City Heat was in it. Yes. And uh Luke Perry, I think it was his first acting gig. Uh if you want to call it an acting gig. And then that the video was so bad, and it was like, you know, twisted it was very kiss it was a very kiss move. Like here's this. You know, Twisted Sister was 10 years in the New York Club circuit, you know, basically Metallica-like. And uh, and then they made this video where it's like they're doing a 50s cover song. It
1: was like, what is this? Well, it just... Uh, somebody always has a bad decision. The, uh, do you know the Billy Squire bad decision? What was that, real quick? I don't know it. Really? I know what? of the Rat bad decision. Okay, well, Billy Squire... Was maybe the biggest guy in the world. He had yep. had that album come out and everything. Then he came out and he was wearing in the music video. He was. It was at the oh, time of Flash dance. Right. and so that open neck sweatshirt was the thing. And he was wearing a pink open neck sweatshirt, and his fans just hated it.
0: Yeah, I mean it's. I, and the video was really gay. Yeah, I, really, I, really, around, really, really he bad. He was like humping the floor or something, and. It's crazy. That one wrong decision can uh, literally kill your career.
1: I would like to make mention, you mentioned Bobcat Goldthwaite, who, you know, did direct Windy City Heat and he did such a great job and was so unbelievably wonderful. <laughs> what are you doing? Clicking your fingers. It's, uh, no, uh, applause. Oh, really? Okay. But he was such a great guy, and he was such a big star. And the thing that I found out about him that's maybe the coolest thing, kirk Cobain fell in love with Bobcat Goldthwait. And Bobcat opened for Nirvana a lot. Oh, wow. Yes, he went on the road with Nirvana. So I just think that's just such a cool little thing for him. Uh, All right, here it is. Here's the question. Now, you've mentioned two. The rest of your life, the only music you can listen to are, it's the bands that you, you can pick five bands, but like, let's say that somebody left and started another band. Like if you said Nirvana, you could take, because Dave Grohl went on, you know. Foo Fighters. Yeah. So you could take Nirvana and get the Foo Fighters too. But you have Um, five bands. Let's say Van
0: Halen. And you okay. could take, you know, the David Lee Roth right. spinoff band, which was great, and uh, Sammy Hagar. Uh,
1: oh you know, yeah, I forgot about that. Gary Cherone. Oh, Extreme. Uh, Who, for my money, they did when Queen had their big concert after Freddie Mercury died. I thought that Extreme they did this thing where they played. What was their big song? More than words. More than words. Right, and it went into. The song love of my life or vice versa it either went love of my life by queen into more than words or the other way around but they were just spectacular so, so you've got van halen you've got kiss rap, rap,
0: the cars the cars and then uh you know I, like i oh boy i had the fifth band i mean like i love bowling for soup Really, because I like their sense of humor. Like they don't take themselves seriously, but but you're uh,
1: listening to music, you're not seeing their sense of humor.
0: But but I get like you know they're uh, they're almost like that band Steel Panther who parodies the '80s. They, right, they're like parading uh I, I, I like bands with a sense of humor. That like you don't go to a Bowling for Soup concert and walk out going, "What were they singing about?" Yeah, you know, you just have. I like fun bands. It's like I like fun movies. So Boston, I like. You know, if I had to pick a like a a fifth band, I I like Boston. Wow, I like more the voice, uh, Brad Delp.
1: You know, uh, have you ever met my friend? uh, He knows him very well. Oh, Jeff Myro. Yeah, Jeff Myro. And he actually has a song with Brad Delp that he recorded. He wrote it, and Brad Delp recorded it for him.
0: Yeah, it's really good. I you ha- you've heard it? it. Yeah,
1: I've had it. He gave yeah. Me a, so uh, that's kind of cool. So I always, I I don't think that many people even know who Brad Delp is. If somebody, yeah, and it really is because he was great. If you think that Tom Schultz guy w- did everything, played everything, the only thing he couldn't do, and he brought Brad Delp in to do that part. I
0: actually, uh, right behind me, is two autographed drumsticks uh, that uh, Jeff got me from
1: Sib, a drummer. <laughs> I got a, I got some stuff from Sib too. Sibby. that that Jeff, he really knows how to market himself. <laughs>
0: um, so, but uh, Rat's bad decision was it could have been on the Top Gun soundtrack. But they.
1: But did that do something for those bands? I know there's a few songs.
0: Berlin, was, I think, probably still tours today off of that one song that became right. such a hit. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying they would have been. Uh, right. Well, Led well, Zeppelin, but.
1: No, no, no. But but on that, they had a big song. It was good for them. And if Rat would have been in there, would they have had one of the songs that was like a hit? I, I think Danger Zone by Kenny Loggins was the huge, well, actually, because the the Berlin song was a number one song, too. And they would have made money from the album. But was it clearly their biggest mistake? Well, it was a song called Body Talk,
0: which is very high energy. I, they would have put it in one of the flight sequences. So, really? Uh, instead, they did Eddie Murphy's The Golden Child. Oh, really? Which, you know, kind of bombed out. Yeah. Uh, but a, you never know. I mean, Eddie Murphy's the biggest star in the world at that time or one of them. Yeah. Uh, and that was a
1: big mistake for him because yeah. in every movie before, he was playing off somebody that was great. 48 Hours, Nick Nolte, uh Beverly Hills Cop, there was funny all around. He wasn't the only funny thing. I remember even Damon Waynes had funny in there. You walked yeah. out of that theater and most people Damon Waynes was in that But go back and watch *Beverly Hills Cop*, and you'll see him. Then he thought, "Okay, now I'm a superstar. Now I will go on. I will be the entire movie." And it just didn't work for some reason. So,
0: and you know, so you know, Kiss has probably made many bad decisions that we're not aware
1: of. But I'm sure. You know. uh, Okay, so those are your five, huh? My five. You know,
0: Billy Idol. I actually, I'd like to sneak in Billy Idol in okay, there.
1: Okay, that's six. Who do you throw out?
0: Uh, well, probably Bowling for Soup, and then well, uh,
1: you threw, Well, you were at four before Bowling for Soup. I thought uh, you replaced it for with Boston.
0: Then I'd have to replace Boston with Billy Idol. I like him. uh All right, I I think Billy Idol is Billy Idol and Steve Stevens.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh you know what was kind of cool when you say that because. I still think the energy of the guitar solo in uh, rebel yell. Rebel yell is just a great moment for rock and roll. And when they were on Kimmel, there's Steve Stevens. and I'm literally as far as away from you as I was from Steve Stevens that night. And it was funny because he, I was, at one point was sitting up on the stage beside everybody, and there was a girl, thin as a rail. Huge breasts, looked pretty weather-beaten, <laughs> and guess what? Steve Stevens' girlfriend.
0: Well, she's uh, actually going to be responsible for getting him on this podcast. Really? I think that's his wife, Josie Stevens.
1: Good. Well, I hopefully he wasn't with another.
0: No, no, I think it was her. And, yeah. Uh, so wow. I, I reached out to her on Twitter and recently and said, hey, you know, I know, uh, you know, do you think Steve would ever come on my podcast in West Hollywood? Because I believe he lives around here and uh she's like yeah he'll do it Uh, they're really they're in europe
1: see that's the crazy thing you're lucky as hell i don't even know who to ask well i just took a shot i mean uh, you've taken a lot of shots and you've got you know to get bobby brown on there to get steven percy he was on here right
0: well it took me four months to get him yeah well he he was great though you finally got him but like steve stevens is like someone you just associate with billy idol but like his career in the music industry is that goes way beyond that. Like,
1: and didn't he do a solo song? He at, did
0: a solo album. The,
1: uh, uh, no, no, the song on uh, we were talking about. Well,
0: Michael Jackson's. Uh, he did the solo on uh, "Dirty Diana,"
1: right? But he also we were talking about "Top Gun." Top Gun. He was in there.
0: He did the best did
1: instrumental. Uh, him and uh, Fault, Fault, uh, Harold Faltermeyer did a yeah.
0: uh, great uh, instrumental and. Uh, you know it's the part where Tom Cruise throws the uh the uh, dog tags in the ocean and then the guitar hits. <laughs>
1: it is so funny how you know just certain things and you have every detail of that. <laughs> And they did a great
0: video. I mean, the videos they made back then, I mean, on, on this video alone must have cost a million dollars. Just they rented out this huge hangar. They've got all these fighter pilot jets and Steve Stevens is in various outfits. And just, as you could tell this video cost someone a lot of money, but it was a big hit. So,
1: you know, that music industry, I don't know if I've ever said, told this story to you. Uh, tell me if I have I ever told you the, the Huey Lewis Ghostbusters story.
0: Well, tell it to the fans. You have, but I think the fans uh, who haven't heard it would no, find it No, i said it
1: on this so- show No, before. no, I don't think you have. Okay. Uh, it's kind of an interesting thing. At the time, and I was very lucky to be kind of like a fly on the wall. Jimmy had an after-show dinner, and Huey Lewis was there. And what was wonderful about it is he starts telling stories about the We Are the World session. I mean, how cool is that? But then he talked about the the Ghostbusters story and they came to him, they approached him. He had just done the uh, Back to the Futures where he played, he was an actor, but he also did the music for that and he had done some other stuff. And they approached him about doing the theme song for Ghostbusters. And he said, no, I'm a little bit busy. So what they did, Ray Parker Jr. came in and did Ghostbusters, which was basically, I think it was, uh, the exact music to i want a new drug so he went out there they took it from him he sued them he won like million a few million dollars but if you look at the song ghostbusters what that did for that movie because that might have been the the peak of power of mtv and that song was on mtv all the time and it It was just a video that people loved. And I'm sure it sold tickets. At least it got out there. So the movie company, uh, you won't do it? Then we'll just take your music.
0: Well, welcome to Hollywood, Huey.
1: I think he's done all right, though. And Ray Parker. (laughs) Ray Parker Jr. Ray Parker Jr. I don't want people to be confused with you're saying that about his father.
0: Dave Parker? No. Ray Parker
1: Sr oh well who know yeah you just said ray parker and i didn't want the confusion to last in there
0: i play loose with the facts on this podcast do you which is what's really uh on the wrestling podcast with piper the fans get all over me when i get a fact wrong oh really and i do sometimes you know i get caught up in being in a room with one of my favorite wrestlers of all time is it
1: cool as can be doing that I mean it's a lot of
0: work just because you know this podcast takes a lot of work, you know. I'm not on a network, so I I produce it, edit it. You do know. you
1: edit it? I uh how I, much editing will you do on this
0: show? Oh, with this one I'll do none. I'll leave it all on. But you know, you still have to put the uh cl- the opening song on, <laughs> you, uh, you know, the closing song on, you make sure it blends, you know, leads out and then at the right, you know, it probably takes 20 minutes to you know, get it up and download it and all that. I would love you to see what I do.
1: But I mean it's uh oh I know the work you do. I mean I mean it's just I just I go through the entire show. I take out every pause. There's a pause. I tighten it up.
0: I don't (laughs) I'm like the Cinderella live album at the Key Club where they left every mistake in and it's I love it. There was a couple songs, like, you know, the guitar. uh... Did they
1: start over ever? No. There was a a CD. I think it was the the Best of Unplugged. They did a version with Paul McCartney that they put out there that Paul McCartney forgot the words, so he started over again. And they put that on that CD. I thought that was pretty cool. I like stuff like that. Yeah, I do too. It's like you said, you know, if you put a box set together, let's get some songs that are... Either deep cuts or demos of huge songs to see how much they changed. I love that stuff. I really, as a matter of fact, I've been trying to find a CD. I don't know if it is, but it was Pete Townsend. He put out some CD, and he had a lot of stuff with demos of like very famous Who songs. I'd love to get that. Do you like the Who?
0: Oh yeah, they're really good. Uh, they're my friend really... right now is the bass player for uh, Roger Daltrey when he
1: does his really? solo. Uh... It's funny. There's a guy that used to work at the comedy store as a piano player that's a piano player for Roger Daltrey. Okay. Or at least went on tour, so he probably knows. Uh, Is there a possibility you may have said something to me about that a long time ago? Because Roger Daltrey made an appearance on Kimmel, and he sang by himself. So he had that band. So maybe I saw him there.
0: Well, my buddy, uh, he's the great Jamie Hunting. He looks just like Steven Tyler, like uh it's amazing bass player just you talk about a guy who should like I mean he could play anything just 12 string bass he plays it like you know I mean he's super talented
1: speaking of super talented I was mentioned a little while ago how I'm admiring the way you just talk and you seem to flow everything very smooth do you think you can do that because you've never taken drugs or
0: well probably and uh you know, this podcast is done like my comedy. Like I never plan, you know, because I, I want, you, you know, I want things to appear like they are coming off the top of my head.
1: Let's say that when Bobby Brown was here, did you do any preparation for that?
0: Well, I read her book. I The book uh, probably took me three days to read the book. It's like two, 300 pages. And uh,
1: <laughs> and then I thought to myself, ooh, icky. Right. <laughs>
0: But she brought her boyfriend, I mean, she was cool, nice enough to do the show, and and very uh, friendly, but, you know, she brought her boyfriend with her, you know, and I get it, she probably- uh, Oh,
1: are you kidding me? For God's sake, somebody, how easy, yeah, I want you to come over to my house for a podcast. Oh, it's best if you come alone.
0: Well, I didn't say that. I but, know. You know, it's like, I, I read her book thinking, oh, I want her to be impressed, I'm. Uh, You know, whenever I have someone like that, you know, like I try and talk to you about uh, not just Windy City Heat, but uh, not just the comedy store, music and other things. And with someone like Bobby Brown, I say to myself, okay, she's probably been asked about the cherry pie video and star search a zillion
1: times. Let me read her book so I can at least ask her some non- uh, what was know. something interesting about her that you didn't know going into it, and then you read the book and thought, whoa, 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 whoa?
0: Well, I mean, she has a great story about one night she goes over to Dave Navarro's house, and, you know, right there, you know, it's going to be a good story. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh,
1: Do you like that guy?
0: Uh, you know, I've, I'm have i always a member at the same gym he's at, and he's always nice to me. I mean, we're not buddies. He's just, hey, what's up, dude? He's quiet. I w-
1: I watch his show Ink Master. You know, it's, I've never seen Ink Master. It's a tattoo
0: show. He's like it, the
1: judge. Oh, he is. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And uh, So Dave Navarro.
0: So you, she goes over to Dave Navarro's house, opens up the door. Dave Navarro's fucking her best friend at the time. who She didn't know they were together. I guess he comes or whatever, kicks her out. Bobby Brown sits down, and then Dave Navarro sits down next to her and starts jacking off. And, like, that's a great story. I mean, there's I don't know where I would take that. You know, I would bring up that story and let her roll with it, but with the boyfriend right there, I I was like,
1: okay. It's funny. I do the exact same thing. Well, I mean... I'll just sit by somebody. That's the reason I get them kind of crazy. I'll start jerking off right beside them. I do that at the comedy store a lot.
0: Oh, well, I've jacked off once in the OR. Really? Yeah. Really? Uh, You guys were all in the other room, uh, I think, hanging out, whatever, and uh, there was some like big-titted girl in there, and she was like, you know, I think we had kissed or something, and she left, and then I just rubbed one out on the. Uh... Was the show still going on? No, no, it was, complete, it was
1: after hours. Boy, those after-hour days were the best.
0: Yeah, one picture on Facebook just ruined it all.
1: Yeah, for those of you who don't know, uh, there was a manager, he later got fired for this, that loved, the band the bko so we'd love to have that and there was a lot of people that loved to gamble including him so in run room the main room you would have this like basically gambling casino <laughs> in the other room the bko were playing music and it was kind of fun people were hanging out all night
0: oh yeah i mean we would had several nights where we uh would come out when the, when the sun was up oh and uh and then uh someone posted the picture on facebook it got back who was to- that do you uh, know? I don't really know, to be honest I with you. Do. I, uh, it's one of two girls, right? Right, and uh, so do I, you know who the, I'm referring to. I think so. Yeah, I won't say their name. You know, it's, yeah, it's they. they thing, but, one of them kept your secret, so well. I, my secret is I don't have one. <laughs> so, but you know, th- when, but that I I know to this day you still think I slept with this girl. Absolutely, I do. I, I swear do. on. My pot, my comedy career, my uh, name anything of value to me. I never uh, touched
1: her. The picture of you and your sister. But
0: I swear on anything I swear on that TV.
1: Which means the world to me. Does it really? Are I, you really, really into that TV? 75 inch?
0: 75 inch, high def. Uh, and as if you remember my last TV, yes. Um, it, even the direct TV guy, when he came over to get my new receiver, but I still had the old TV, he's like, why do you have your TV set to night vision? <laughs> <laughs> Did you? No, it was just the the bulb. Oh, you know, uh, <laughs> and it looked like night vision. I see what you're saying. Well, watching football on it was amazing because the green was like just popped. But then watching hockey, and the last time you were over here, uh, I don't know if you remember, but the Kings beat the Chicago Blackhawks game seven.
1: I do remember that because. I uh, We had it on the whole time. Right. It, didn't we watch it before,
0: the, the, and, before it started? Yeah. And, uh, Alex Martinez uh, figured a Mexican would get the Kings into the Stanley Cup and won the cup for them that year. So oh, I don't think
1: Donald Trump was happy with that. but No, he wasn't. You know. By the way, I have to tell you, uh, I love how brash Donald Trump is. And, you know, at this moment that we're talking right now, not only is he – the polls say that he is a top guy in the Republican party. He's a top guy right now for president.
0: I mean, I just want to see him and Chris Christie get into the debate. Oh, they don't like each other though. But you know, I have a st- feeling,
1: well, you know, Neil Leeds is, wants to become his vice president running mate. And he's been saying this long before he even announced becoming president. So we've been following that quite a bit. And actually, uh, Neil Leeds was a little upset and I think partially because the people that come to his Leeds mattresses, usually are the people that Donald Trump was putting down. But I have to say, well, he was telling me, and I think this is true. He has to pay money to run for president. And what they have to do is they have to go through all of his, his assets and they have to figure out how much money he has. And everybody has to do that. It's getting close to, uh, he has 45 days to pay or to go through it to let them see. He hasn't done it yet, but he can file an extension for a second forty-five days. I have a feeling Donald Trump's gonna drop out at oh, the yeah. end it's, of the second forty-five days. It's not uh
0: this is publicity and it's great publicity. Oh yeah. it's like he's like, you know, he reminds me a lot of Jane Simmons. I'm this, I got more money than you. You know, well, my hair's real. That's his campaign platform. Right. My hair is real, I've got more money with you and these beaners, or like, you know, it rapist. was just
1: he has a history of just uh Rosie O'Donnell, just how he just viciously attacked she's her. a pig. And and... Just, why would I listen to this pig? What what
0: can she tell me? I mean look at her face. I mean <laughs> she's disgusting. <laughs> I mean,
1: I think he's great. I, I think he's wonderful. You know, I mean, I wouldn't want to be on his bad side. And I loved like, when these, when Macy's took his suits out of their their shop and all their stores. You think it probably means nothing. It was probably originally just some guy came up. Hey, we, I, if we call it Donald Trump ties, we can put it in all these places. He just made money. He didn't give a shit about that. <laughs> but then he immediately starts texting. Let me tell you this. I know for a fact Macy's does nothing for our border control at all. (laughs) What a ridiculous clown, but it's so damn funny.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he's a carnival huckster, you know. I think anyone who has to say, look how much money I have, probably doesn't have as much as you think. Like, you never hear Warren Buffett say, I've got a lot of
1: money. You know, the one thing I do hear is that even his throwing out all the money he has, he really doesn't have a lot of money.
0: Well, I, yeah, I mean, like, you never hear Bill Gates say, I got more money. No, you don't. Born no, But you
1: know what? But I don't think they're his personality. I think if he had the money, I think he'd still do it. But from what I understand, he doesn't have the money.
0: I mean, like, the guys who have big dicks, you never really hear most of them say, I got to be, just everyone know.
1: Yeah, I think, no, I think that's not true. Not in my case, but I mean... You, you kind of brag about it all the time. I think things really opened up last night when we saw your headshot.
0: But I mean, most people. The most like,
1: famous headshot. In the comedy
0: store. Yeah. Uh, well, but I mean, like Lexington Steel. I've never once heard that guy brag about his dick. Just, you know. Well, Ron Jeremy, you but know. But
1: people say that. And you know what? He does say it. I've heard Ron Jeremy talk about how big his dick was.
0: But, I mean, you know, I I, I guess my point is, like, if you've got a lot of money, most of the times you got a big dick, you get a lot of pussy, the good ones don't brag about it, you know. Like Gene Simmons, I'm sure he sleeps with a lot of girls. I'm sure he does. But I, I bet you it's not nearly as, as many as he says you know kiss you know like kiss record sales you know his big thing was the solo albums all sold platinum which you know on the same day they were released right and you know it was kind of
1: true but not true because they shipped platinum right they shipped platinum because they thought and then there were so many of those albums that turned into the cutout bins. but so you know i
0: think i don't know i just find that You know, the funniest comics, and to me, you you know, you never hear Mark Maron say, I'm a funny comic. You just people, that's a funny comic. You know, you never, you know, I think if you have to brag, you're hiding something.
1: I see that you have Mark Maron's book right over there. Are you a big fan of his?
0: Uh, I'm a fan. I I don't know if I, I, I'm not like a super fan, but he's, you know, I admire him because uh, he's a comic to me who made it when he was a little older. Uh, you know, and I like the fact that when he started his podcast, his manager at the time said, don't do it. There's no money in podcasting. I so he's like someone I look up to and go, and I, I don't put myself on his level, but you know, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you're saying. He's someone who go, Oh, you can make it when you're not the new, you know, fresh face. Yeah, of comedy absolutely. Or whatever. And you know what? He went through a lot of shit. And, you know, he's someone you started with at the comedy Absolutely. store. Absolutely. You know, so. I remember
1: when he came there, I, I wish I could find this picture. I remember Myself and another guy, we just laid on each other. And we took this picture where we're just, I'm on the bottom. And, you know, it just goes up and there's Mark Maron. I wish I could find a lot of those pictures.
0: Weren't you on his uh, What the Fuck podcast? Yes, I was. That's a big deal. I mean, that's. Is a, it really? To me, it is. Like, uh, You know, it's pretty neat. I mean. Yeah,
1: I I mean, a lot of people heard it. A lot of people approached me about it after. So I guess that's cool because that's what you're trying to do. I don't know if I picked up, like, Twitter fans. He isn't the type of guy that you're sitting there and he's like, well, let's see, what can I help you promote? I don't think he gives a shit about that. He's just doing a story. But you know what? Fine. You You get your Twitter name mentioned out there and boom. You know, if somebody picks up on it. They pick up on it. Because I think that's what this whole game is. Get it as many Twitter followers as you can.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I know when, uh, you know, Jeff Ross or Rob Schneider or, like, uh, The Iron Sheik retweeted one of my stand-up links. It got, like, thousands of views in, like, literally, you know, an hour. Really? Steven Piercy, uh, you know, he's got, like, 30,000 fans on Twitter. He said, here's a link to a podcast I just did. It got, like... Literally 500 views in, like, one minute. Really? Which is a lot for me. I Absolutely. Mean, it's a lot for anybody. But, I mean, it's someone like Rogan who gets, like, 50,000
1: downloads a week. It's, it's <laughs> just, it's it's unbelievable. You you see that entire world. You see the Red Band taking these shows that, like, wow. And they're getting three times the numbers I get.
0: Well, it's just, you know, you get, like, Hinchcliffe and Del Rey went on the Rogan show. And they, they got, you know, big bumps in their... Uh you know, uh, numbers and, uh, you know, I don't know Joe well enough to get on, but you know, I do buy his uh, supplements from his company though. He really, he's got, well, they're not traditional supplements like amino acids. And, uh, he, they're more like uh, mind, uh, is, they,
1: uh, like from that movie type of mind control.
0: Well, not my, they're like, uh, it's called on it. Uh, nutrition. And they, uh, it's more the receptors in your brain that control your feelings, and I do notice a difference. Really, I mean, I'm not like you know, uh, they're they're not a a cure for like depression, but like they, uh, I think they give you more good feelings.
1: You know what I wish I could do? I wish I could come on a podcast like this, and every feeling that I have, every person that we mention, I wish I. I love Joe Rogan, so let's not think Joe Rogan, that this is where the idea sprung from. Joe Rogan has been nothing but nice to me. Joe Rogan has mentioned me many times on his podcast.
0: Big fan of, and, uh, he always talked, like him and Brian Callan once talked about uh, you late night at the
1: store. Yeah, and it was just, so he's always been, so when I say this, I'm not talking about Joe Rogan. I didn't want anybody to think that, because I, I really do like Joe Rogan for all those things. He's amazing. Absolutely. But I wish that the, I could just sit here and with you because I know you so well and I know the bullshit that goes up and names that are mentioned and talk about every person
0: but I mean I when I bring up like uh, Tony and, and Del Rey you know they are you know they had their own podcast and you know I'm I don't know how they were doing but uh, my point is they went on Rogan's thing and then just thousands of fans went to their you know went to their thing. oh absolutely
1: well so. the Joe Rogan world has Duncan, he, Ari. Duncan, Ari, uh, Sam Tripoli, all those guys just benefit. Even Jason Tebow, all those guys just went to another level because they were part of that world. And even
0: the uh, the MMA fighter, uh, Brendan Schaub, you know, he's like right. a, basically, a, I don't know if he's a co host, but he's he's on Rogan, you know, he even though he's popular in the UFC world, his uh. Profile is raised big time by
1: Rogan's. Uh, it's just unbelievable, yeah. and the great thing, and I actually was saying this to Joe recently. What a life he has set for himself! Oh, what is great? He, he can try. His name is big enough. He's almost at the point of Mark Maron, as far as like being able to do shows that people are impressed with. To get on his show is a special little thing. Oh it, yeah, it helps anybody's career. So people want to do a show because people will hear that. So he's got that, but beyond that, he can go out. He can say, I'm going to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma on this date. Within hours, that place sells out.
0: Or he, even like uh, this weekend, especially when there's a big UFC card, which this weekend there's a huge one. Right. In Vegas, he can do a theater show on Friday, sold out, you know, and then Vegas, you know, uh, Saturday. Just, it's
1: just, it. he doesn't need anyone in his life he can make a living 100 percent with nobody helping him out but because he's an actor he can also if he wants to he can act if somebody says something to him and they know he's still there because they know his podcast and they know him from ufc yeah
0: i mean that's what it's i'm just striving for really well i mean i'd not to necessarily be as big as rogan or maron but like you know going back to what schneider said just you know maybe inappropriate earl uh You know, maybe, I don't know, Spike TV says, hey, we like the way you interview and we like that you don't necessarily go after like mainstream guests. You're going after, uh, you know, like these almost bizarre type guests from 20 years ago. Like that could be an interesting hook for a late night, not late night talk show, but like, I don't know, something uh, that you know, could help me uh, get bigger. Oh, numbers. absolutely. And but, you it. know, Chris D'Elia said he would come on, so I I would get someone like him on because, you know... Uh, Do you know him well? I I would say we're very good acquaintances. I mean, I don't know if he would consider me a friend, but uh, he's always... I knew him when he was just start, you know, before he blew up, so
1: nice guy. In the world, is he blown up really big? Is he really a big star now? I think he is. Is he? I mean, you... you I, I don't know. I'm I, The show he's on, is it popular? Oh, yeah. It's very, just bringing it back for a third
0: season. I mean, this is the second show in a row where he's been in billboards all over the country. Um, you know, so he's, because uh, he can act. That's, you know, I think that's a lot of problems that comics fall yeah, into. They can't is, act. Like, you know, I don't know Dan Cook at all. But, I mean, I think he obviously he was the biggest guy in the world for a while, and I don't know necessarily he he could act.
1: I'll tell you this. He did a pretty darn good job in the movie Windy City Heat.
0: Oh, yeah. That might have been his best role.
1: You know, he actually said one time, he gets people to talk about that more than any other thing he's shot.
0: Well, it's a classic.
1: He beat out Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, well, I'll tell you one thing. It hasn't done a lot for me. I mean, it's done some things, but boy, oh, boy. You think that you get something and you take it to another level uh, very frustrating
0: yeah well it's a wacky business man
1: that's well but you know what the only time you're officially out is when you quit yeah and i don't think i have quit in me
0: i'm too dumb to quit
1: yeah what else what else are you gonna do
0: yeah i mean wh- where else can you like make 15 dollars an hour and, and live. not even an hour but and live 15 minutes it's a pretty good ratio, a dollar a minute. <laughs> you know, you get... Uh, Not really, when you think about it. Well, I mean, that'd be $60 fl- an hour. That'd be a pretty good gig. You know, if you... Oh, yeah, okay. Pro-rate it, you know. Well, if you said
1: a dollar a minute.
0: Well, basically, 15 minutes, $15. Okay, all right. And all then, right. unless you're in the main room on the weekend, then you... I got one main room
1: check. I was like, oh, wow, man, this is pretty good. Yeah, so, they don't put me in the main room at all anymore.
0: <laughs> well, that's because you're an OR staple.
1: Yeah, but I could do well in
0: the main room. Oh, no, it's not. I I don't think it's that. I think it's more like they need someone to
1: close out the OR and, you know. You know, uh, I'll tell you something. I just don't think that they – I don't think they respect me at all. I really don't. Like,
0: what, what do you mean, uh, the, the, the managers just, or – I just think
1: the whole thing. I just – you know, the fact that – you know, I look at this. I go in there when there's there's – you see dead people lying around that couldn't make it out in time. Might might have been shot. So by the time I get up, there's not a lot of people there. And a lot of people are really tired. And I do a pretty good job of holding them there. Whether, you know, whatever the hell I'm doing, I'm keeping them there. And it just makes you think, how can they not see that? How can they not understand that? Well... The-
0: you know, I don't think if it's any solace that uh, I don't think anyone else could close it out like you do every night. So because well, you could go on earlier in the show and and I mean, would you want to do just 15
1: minutes? No, I don't even know what 15 minutes is. You well, know, A lot of actually... people don't up there.
0: <laughs> yeah, but holy fuck, man. You talk it... about something
1: that's frustrating. That's probably the number one thing. I think that what's frustrating is when I see the show's way behind, I see that they've had four guys do uh, pop-ins, and it's 1 o'clock, and there's still six people to go. And those six people get up there, and they do 22 minutes.
0: More light running than Rodney King on a fucking Hyundai. Oh,
1: wait! way wait a, to wait a bring that in there. Well, it's wait like, come
0: minute. on, man. But
1: that's actually out of your time zone.
0: 92. I'm still on the tail end of the peak. Okay. I mean, I, listen, if he would have stopped, they wouldn't have beat the
1: shit out of him. No, they they wouldn't have.
0: I remember my buddy who wrote uh, for Soldier of Fortune. He came over to my house when the riots were happening, and he gave me this huge machete knife. And he's like, here, take it. They might You might need it in case they come. I'm like, who's they? And
1: I won't say what he said, but... You know, he's like, "Don't worry about it." Do you remember anything about that? I mean, do, oh yeah. I I here's what I remember. I was at a friend's place and we were actually getting weed, and the TV was on, and who was the the truck driver? The, the, Reginald Denny. The, Reginald Denny. They pulled out and started beating him. I said, "Oh my god, this thing has gone to another level." And I was living near the intersection of La Brea and Sunset at the time. And at the time, they, I don't know if you remember, they had an appliance store in that little mall where the Seven Eleven is. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, where Ross where, is Rossford, now. Yeah. Ross is there now. But I remember driving by with him, and people had come up, and I looked over there, and a lot of them didn't look like normal people that hung out at that place uh, Oh no. They're going to get this place. And I remember driving back. I remember driving from there, which is La Brea. I drove up to maybe Vine and said, you know what? They may be coming around here. We should get someplace in case some bad shit happens. I went back, and we went back. They had already broken in, and you're seeing people run with stereos, TVs, everything they could get, and the cops did nothing.
0: Well, I mean, I was that—that was when I was living at that Century City building with Stephen Adler. So I knew they weren't getting there. I mean, yeah, they'd have to fight through the Beverly Hills cops, and they were not letting that. Yeah, uh, that wasn't going to happen. So I, I lucked out, and that, and I was on the 19th floor. So I, I didn't think I was in danger, but my soldier fortune buddy was still like, "What month did that happen
1: in?" Uh, you know, I don't remember, to be honest with you. I want to say June. Yeah, summer. because I remember the one thing that they said is they said, you watch what will happen. There'll be more fires this year than ever before in well, the Hollywood Hills and all that. Well,
0: I remember uh, that was when I would go to Miami three or four times a year to visit my parents. And I think I was coming back uh, that week. Um, and I just remember flying over Englewood and it was just... It was like a, like a Saving Private Ryan scene where you just multiple fires. And, oh, uh, You know, I think they had to, like, fly in a, a normal pattern for coming into LAX because of the smoke.
1: And uh, so it was... The cool thing that I did, and I got to be able to find these VHS tapes, I had a VHS camcorder you know and this in the early 90s and I remember thinking I'm just going to start filming stuff and I know I went up in the hills and I was just filming the landscape and you'd see those fires and somebody had the radio on so they're talking about the riots and then I actually oh that's cool that came out cool so I remember going down in some of the really bad areas with the radio on. And just driving around there, filming it by myself in my car. I'm lucky I didn't get my ass kicked through that. You were in the VFW area. Yeah. Very few whites. See, I don't, to me, again, there's one race and that's a human race. I don't see it that way.
0: Well, this reminds me of a story that you kind of have something to do with is Good. I, I like that. Uh, went to Westwood around that same time and bought Paul Mooney's album, Race. And I hadn't known a lot about Paul Mooney, and I I remember, and this shows you how crazy I am. I was like, I remember being in the record store. I'm like, oh my god, that's that's the guy who played Sam Cook in the Buddy Holly story. So I, I'll buy the CD and uh, I get it in my car. I put the CD in the player. My windows are down, and the first joke, you know, let's just say uh, it's about um, I think some white lady had gotten up walked out of the crowd and Paul was like, that's okay, lady, you leave. I'm going to have some of my blank friends steal your car. (laughs) And the cops pulled up right next to me and they both looked at me like, what are you doing listening to this, this loud?
1: And uh, you were on the cover of that album. I certainly was. That was like kind of a cool, I was, a. that's my pro model days because I got paid to be on the cover of that
0: bent over, uh, as a race, like a running a hundred yard dash or something they had like
1: three the- white guys. And then he, Paul Mooney was standing with a gun above him. Yeah. And I, I saw it over at Amoeba one day, $70. Let uh, me see if I still have it here. Do you re- really? Yeah, that would be, uh, I'll tell you the one thing that I was always kind of honored about because Mooney hated everybody and he actually liked me he liked myself and this guy kevin west and he let us fuck with him while i was on stage and he actually had me in a bit of his oh look at that there it is race now what's funny about this uh the letters kind of cover everyone up but this was at a time that cds you remember the big cd boxes
0: uh yes i do sorry about that
1: that's okay here i'll come by you too
0: So, uh, watch the, uh, listen, if you have the Paul Mooney, uh, CD race, I'm going to take a picture of Don holding it up.
1: Oh, sorry. Okay. I'm just right here. I'm talking now because I don't want silence on this.
0: One, two.
1: There we go. Here we go. Here we go. Picture. One, two, three and I think we got it beautiful beautiful beautiful
0: beautiful sorry we had a moment there where well, I might edit that uh 20 seconds of dead air ah fuck it I'll leave it in I mean this is right now we might be at the longest inappropriate ever really Should we, we are at two
1: hours and 10 minutes Should we wrap it up I'm sorry no 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 I love it uh no you know what it's funny as I'm sitting here it's like when I said this earlier I know you so well because we've hung out almost every night at the comedy store you're always there and it's been there for years five six years when did you start working with the bko
0: well uh, long story short i uh, came to uh, dave tyree uh got me a set of potluck and i think in about 2000 how'd you know dave tyree i went to the store one night to watch eddie griffin with a bunch of my industry friends and dave tyree was the opening act. And I I really thought he was funny. And uh, this is right around the time I was getting into stand-up. So I paid him $3,000 to write my... uh... I didn't know any better at the time. I had no idea what...
1: You don't really know. And if you have the money, I think it's smart to invest. I think that, you know, we wouldn't have Chris Rock, who he is today, if he didn't believe in the fact, reinvest that money into your career. Yeah,
0: I mean, I you know now I write my own jokes and all that stuff, but uh, back then, back then I was like, oh, I'll just pay this guy money to make me funny, and I uh, gave him three grand, and uh, you know I still have the jokes he gave me, and I think most of them were stolen jokes to be honest with you. It could have been. One of the jokes was, "Hey, I just stole a twenty thousand dollar liquor cabinet. I don't even drink." <laughs> <laughs> so, just jokes like that, and I don't know I, I looked back- I went and looked at it the other day, and I just want to see maybe I could rework some of these jokes into today's act. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I think these are stolen jokes, and uh you know, or maybe they were old jokes of his uh, my, and my doctor Dr. Vinny Boombots, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and talking about feeding a horse uh and it feels like a vagina
1: <laughs> or something I don't know. Crazy stuff, man. But go on. I'm sorry.
0: Oh, no, no. So I, uh, you know, uh, he actually got me a set of potluck. And the store wasn't right for me at that time. And uh, so I think I ended up coming back around 2009, 2010, maybe. And then that's when I, uh, you know, started started, uh, heckling you and Brody. Uh, Good naturedly, of course. Absolutely. And then uh, I think Brody left. And then that's when I came in. Brody started uh losing his mind was deteriorating more and more. So and then uh, here we are uh, 2015 and uh you know I think names night is coming up pretty soon. Uh is if I Oh is your name going up there? Uh I think me, Candace Thompson and Eric Myers. Really? And uh, I I think uh, probably uh Probably Rob
1: Schneider's name, too. I mean, I, Maybe, I'm sure he doesn't. Absolutely. You know, it, won't, uh, it won't matter to him as much as you guys, but it's still it's there and it adds to the store. So, of course, it'll go up.
0: Um, so that, that should be fun. I think they do it on Mitzi's birthday, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Oh, really? Is that when they do it?
0: Uh, Yeah, sometime late Uh, July. I don't know.
1: Well, that's... that. You know, I'll tell you something. That's cool. That's going to be a cool moment for you. Yeah, I
0: mean, you know, that'll be neat. Uh, Yeah, you
1: know what? And maybe we should just talk about this and wrap this up because I didn't mean to go so long with No, this is great. But like I was saying, it's just like... I wish I could talk about all the stuff we normally talk about. Well, I don't know if that podcast could be aired. (laughs) No, you could. See, the great thing is you could air it, but would people? (laughs) I know I wouldn't want people to hear it.
0: Well, let's just say one time, me and Dean Del Rey, when I was co hosting his podcast, when I was first getting my podcast feet wet, we did a great episode with a black comic by the name of The Great One. And uh, I think you had the best question of all time when you asked him, why is he called the great one? And uh, let's just say the first 40 minutes were great. We're talking store stories. What got you into comedy? Open mic war stories. Was I there for this? No, no, you were not. And then the great one just proceeds to say the N-word about 60 times. And, uh, we, we never, uh, it's, uh, a lost episode. <laughs> Let's just say that I've had two people say the N word on this podcast. I don't, you know, uh, trying to get me to say it. It's no, not- no, I don't, I don't believe in that word. Uh, although,
1: uh, you know, it, it's a horrible word and uh, I will never say it. But- well, you know what? It's interesting on this day, as we wrap this up today, we can think of this, what does the future hold? What does the future hold for you, me, And let's say in a year and a half, will Donald Trump be our new president? Right now, he leads the polls.
0: I mean, I don't think he will be. I think, like you said, this is just, uh, you know, uh, get my face out there. You know, I, I mean, he doesn't need the money, so... You know he's not spending a, I, I think they literally said he has not spent a dollar on the campaign.
1: Because everybody wants to hear what he has to say.
0: So and he's uh, such a
1: great quoter.
0: I think he's an attention whore, and and nothing's wrong with that. I guess you and I are too. Absolutely. But uh, I, I don't. I do think he's kind of hurting. I don't think the Republicans are going to beat Hillary Clinton. But uh, so you think she's going to be our next president? Probably. I mean, uh, we got a half black guy in there now. Why not a chick?
1: Didn't they say that last time though? Well, I don't think the there's last a election. Didn't they say that Hillary is going to win?
0: I don't think there's a candidate though that uh, can beat her on the Republican side. I mean, you know, I mean, when Trump is the the best candidate so far for the Republicans, that's not good. You know, I mean, and the guys who make the most sense and are probably the best uh, pol- politicians, like the. Uh, Pataki's and the you know Lindsey Graham's they have 1% I mean you and I aren't even I think it's an old Dennis Miller joke but it's like you know that's like 1 more percent than you and me and we're not even running right so uh, I'm no joke thief but uh, you know it is it's topical for the moment but uh, you know like the rat song says Don I hope we I hope you come back back for more <laughs>
1: I don't think I would have wanted it to end any other way. Thank you, Earl. But we're not done yet. But I would like to say, I do appreciate you bringing me here. It feels very comfortable. I'm... very at ease with you and I think that there is a very good chemistry so thank you and the two and a half hours did pass by pretty quick.
0: Well because we uh, like we're friends and uh, you know we're uh, you know we're in the same jungle every night and uh, but I like before you go
1: I know you uh, Twitter is at simply Don one. Simply Don one my Facebook Don Barris my Instagram and my uh bariscope you know people went with the periscope no it's bariscope when i do it that's at simply down one and my vine is at uh down barris i i do want to say you know come and join us late night at the comedy store if you're in town maybe even get tickets to Kimmel. i do the audience warm up there but i would like to say that we are going to have this big weekend on. October 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th. i having people come out that are fans of the Big Three, and these fans have become fans of the Ding Dong Show, and I think I'm going to combine a lot of forces, and I'd like to kind of announce it here. So please come out and see that if you get a chance. It should be fun. It should be crazy. And if you're a big fan of Earl, which you are because you're listening to his show, he's going to be at least part of it on Friday night when we have our Live at Leeds concert. So
0: and when you go on twitter when it's simply don one it's the number 1 not thank you uh, thank you one N. E., so. and
1: i'm going to say this before i go take a guess all right everybody out there close your eyes for 1 second think which one of the two of us is wearing nail polish today i'm not going to say that maybe get back in your own cast your vote it was inspired by steve stevens okay that kind of gives it away
0: But who knows? Maybe you were inspired by Steve Stevens.
1: Well, I think that since all you've been doing is talking about him and... uh... Well, I'm excited to get him on the couch because here's
0: the first question I'm going to throw at him. All right. And this goes to my interviewing style. Steve Stevens, legendary guitar player, you know, been asked a thousand times, tell us about working with Billy Idol. When you left, what was it like coming back? My first question is going to be about the Peter Chris solo album he was on.
1: A lot of people wouldn't have gone that route.
0: Because you should... think about it? 1980, Peter Chris leaves Kiss. You know, everyone was in his ear. You don't need Kiss. You're going to be bigger than Kiss. You're the drummer from Kiss. You're the, and you know we're going to get you this great band. Steve Stevens, the guitar player. I just have to know what the vibe in the studio was like. It must have been wow. We, they probably even thought wow, this we're we're in the next Kiss chris and it didn't work out how bad of a failure was it well he had two solo albums but uh just didn't uh you know he's not the first guy to leave kiss thinking uh, he was gonna move on to bigger and better pastures so Uh weren't most of the guys kicked out though benny vincent was kicked out uh three times in two years Was Ace freely kicked out uh well he says he left they he was uh, you know they'll say he was fired uh, mark st john who was the uh, guitar player on animalize which was heavens on fire he uh he basically was kicked out for being too good of a musician that usually happens in a band like they said uh paul tells a great story about uh you know he only played 3 live shows with them did and not know that He says uh, they're doing like Detroit Rock City or something, and Paul looks over, and here's this guy slinging the the guitar around his neck, playing behind his ears, you know, playing with his mouth, and it's like, okay, this guy's not going to fit in with us. (laughs) He was basically too flashy.
1: Well, oh, really? Because didn't they try to do that with Ace a little bit, like with all the electronics and the fire coming out of his guitar and stuff?
0: But I think with Ace, it was to cover up his technical uh, inadequacies, but. With Mark St. John, uh, you know, granted, he was only in Kiss for about nine months. It was like, okay, this guy's going to outshine us from the standpoint of visually on stage. And okay.
1: Then, you, you know what I'd like to say before we go? I was, did I cut you off there? I apologize if I did. I thought you were kind of finished.
0: No, no. I was just saying, then Kiss went into their B. Arthur uh, lookalike
1: stage, <laughs> you know, the Asylum era. Right. Well, before we go, I would feel terrible if you didn't close today's show with some line that meant something to you from R.A.T.,
0: Mm, let me see, there's so many lines. Uh, Slip and slide, take a ride. You want the best of both worlds. Caviar is hard to find. You're not a big city girl. You have a dreams to make it big right off the Greyhound bus. Ask for a line, but keep going as I leave. <laughs> That's really all I need. Dance, dance, dance. Feel the heat of the rhythm. Feel the heat of my hand. Dance, dance, dance. I see the way that you're moving. You need a little romance. Thanks for
1: having me on, Earl. Bye.
0: Don Barris. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Vine, Barriscope. See him late night at the comedy store. Close out the show every night. Inappropriate Earl. Again, go uh, rent, buy, Windy City Heat. Listen. Listen to the Ding Dong Show, Every Monday Night Comedy Store, longest-running show in the history of the store, uh, the Big Three podcast. What are the other two podcasts? Simply Don the Podcast. Simply Don the Podcast, support. And then the Ding Dong Show podcast. Go see Jimmy Kimmel live. You get to see Don warm up the crowd in a suit. And this is Inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud and iTunes. See ya. Lay it down. Lay it down. I know you don't really know me. I know you don't really care to see me. Suck it.